Oh, gross. I Google college football playoff and I get blue and maize fireworks from Google on my uh, search returns. Well, but that's... Is, let's did we get, did we get that last year? This is bullshit. I'm sure we did. I want to see the gif. I want to see the video. This, I, I don't right. believe it. There's some, there's some Michigan asshole who works at Google arranged this. Iron Brands, a podcast that is going to start taking this climate emergency stuff much more seriously if the schools continue to shut down every time it's going to rain for more than a couple of hours. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Really pleased with yourself tonight, Abe. Lori is here, too. How are you doing tonight, Lori? I'm also pleased with Abe. Lori is also pleased with Abe for reasons completely unknown to me. Tonight is Tuesday, January the 9th, 2024. Abe, the kids stayed home from school today. This is now the second time in either two or three years. I'm not sure if this happened last year or if it was the school year before. I'm getting conflicting information from uh, local moms. They're not, they're not sure either. Everyone has very short memories. Everyone's an idiot. Uh, <laughs> but some rain was in the forecast. Perhaps you've seen the national news alerts about, uh, about big winter storms working their way. That's right. Across you guys the- got some of that? The country. We got rain. We got rain. It rained all day. It wasn't even and two it was cold. inches of rain. It was a little cold. There was no danger of it becoming even a wintry mix, as they say, which I think is the next step down from rain, is the wintry mix. I see. Uh, no danger that. of that. Just rained a bunch. Uh, was there, there was a in- creek nearby that apparently overflowed its banks, and so there was some uh, potential for flooding. Was but there was any just forecast for something worse? Like, was was, it pre- was there some no. chance? Nope. That- nope. So th- the forecast said there's no. going to be a bunch of rain. And then they said, okay, don't come to school because <laughs> of all the rain. And they and the, the text message that the school district sent out was very uh, defensive in the way that it presented itself and, and attempted to self-justify at the end of itself where it was like, uh, yeah, we're going to cancel because of the potential for, for uh, lots of rain and, and flooding. And we would, we would have your kids come in and then just do an early dismissal. But according to forecasts, it might be most dangerous. With The most amount of rain might still be happening right around noon, which puts us in a position where uh, uh, flooding could be happening, and we don't want to put your children and the teachers in danger. I see. Uh, so. Question. Uh, from what I gather, schools have baked into their calendar some snow days, or no? No, nope, not? not here. Did they, okay, so that well, cha- that's not true. They can take the days off without impacting the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, but okay. it's not like when I grew up, we had three snow days that didn't have to be made up. Okay, and then beyond that. There was a calendar as far as like day four is here, day five is here, I day, see. you know, if it's more. Because they also pull a bunch of days, that. they pull a bunch of days out of the academic calendar that they don't need to. Like teacher work days are just sort of like bonuses that the teachers get, but they don't necessarily need. 
So it might cost them a couple of hours at the end of the day, like at the end of the school day where they, they didn't get the day off. So now they have to do their end of quarter stuff in a, on their own time. And so that sucks for them. But I think that the first thing that they do, if you get a bunch of snow days, whatever over the maximum is, first they add you back one of those teacher work days. And then okay. like, cause they really try to avoid putting extra days on the end of the school year, I think. I see. Cause that, was, that was my guess as to maybe they were like, okay, Maybe the outlook for the rest of the year is going to be like no issues. So let's let's burn this day. But that's because, not it. We have a very you know, wet. Win- we're in for a very wet winter. Oh, is that according like a, to, Well, because we've of, got the El Nino or or Nina or whichever one is the one that's uh, wet is yeah. uh, what's going on here. I think it's El Nino. Okay, uh, might have to. So then it makes no if, sense. If then. you hear the sudden <laughs> fast forward noise, it and then I start talking, it's because I had to correct myself. Uh, after doing some more research tomorrow morning when I'm editing this podcast, because I can't let misinformation uh, knowingly go out into the wide universe. Uh, and I don't do stealth edits, unlike uh, the trashy Associated Press, which does stealth editing of journalism that they've published. Not even opinion pieces, oh, but outrageous. like news and analysis pieces. It just says at the top, maybe updated at this time, but it gives no indication that substantial or substantive changes were made to the content of the article that you might have shared uh, with a certain idea uh, saying something about what the content inside was trying to communicate. And then they go and they change the content without telling anyone that they've done so. And uh, that is like... It's and, so completely unacceptable. And I, I, what a weird rant to get off at the very beginning of the, the stupid seriously. intro of the show. But like, I feel weird about the ability to edit a text message like to, to the Wait, family group chat. Yes, you can. Yeah, now, now in WhatsApp, you can edit nice. the stuff. And it says, at the How? very least, it says edited once you've, you hold right. it and then you yeah, click the three dots it. at the top and it gives you the option click to the edit. Three dots. It just says copy or pin. Maybe you need to update, update but my, version, my yeah. version of, of WhatsApp I can do now it in the it. app that I have with Julia. But you know, that... that New change for WhatsApp, like they just need one more step, which is to allow you to view the original, like just to kind of keep right. Because trans- Facebook, when they when Facebook introduced the edit function, they also said you can you can view earlier versions of it, right? right. Like you could always go mm-hmm. back and look at the at the edit history. Right. On WhatsApp, you cannot. It just says this has been edited, which is the it's a potential for much fuckery. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, obviously now you just you won't be able to trust screenshots where it says edited. Uh, you just have to assume that somebody is, is has done some some fuckery there. But like I feel weird about that in my stupid personal communications between people, and feel so weird about it in a public sort of way that when I uh, try to correct something that we have on this podcast, or for example, I had a mistake in the editing of a morning press a couple of Fridays ago. And I was I was listening back to it and found that for some reason, some little bit of audio had been inserted into the wrong spot. So I had to go back and take that out. And it didn't change the content or the, 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 the facts of anything that I was saying, but it was an edit. And I felt weird enough about it that I put a note in the show note saying, just so everybody knows, I had to edit this after it was publicly posted. So if you listen to the very first version of it, the new version of it, when your phone uh, updates or, or gets a fresh download or, or recycles through the RSS feed or whatever, it's going to be a slightly different version than the one that came before, just so you know. Like, and 
That's my personal journalistic standard. That's weird, too, because you use the backspace button so much. Yeah. All of my editing takes place up front. Up front and yeah. I'm not going to pretend like, uh, like I'm smarter than I was fucking 10 minutes ago when I hit the publish button. I feel the need to acknowledge when I change something okay. in something that I've published. And the Associated Press and a number of other outlets, the New York Times has been guilty of this dozens of times through the years. Didn't they? Of actually meaningfully changing the content of an article that's already been published and not acknowledging where the edits were made. I used to remember a time... It wasn't that long ago, I don't think, where like the New York Times and the Washington Post would say, we've edited something, an earlier version said this, that, and the other. We've corrected to say, you know, like usually it's like a name. Or right, like they still do. They, they often, at the bottom of the article, you'll right. see uh, asterisk, we changed the name here, or we had the, the birth date slightly wrong, right. and that the change has been reflected. But like when it's a much larger pile of things that they're changing uh, – they they tend to not do it, and it's not okay. Anyway, they didn't have school today. <laughs> By the way, on uh, down here in Atlanta, we had uh, some apparently some weather event. Uh, I live in a big building, and I'm a very he- heavy sleeper, so I was uh, totally not aware of what was going on until I went to the gym later, and the whole place was like flooded. But there was like apparently like a tornado like siren that went out like Ooh. a few miles from where I am. Like, I was, again, not aware of anything. I was sound asleep. Uh, but I, didn't, I don't recall getting any sort of message yesterday that was going to be some tornado possibility. I guess they can't really predict those too far out. So the county, the city we live in is within the county. And we live in a tiny little city in a really big, sprawling rural county. It doesn't take much to close the county schools because enough people are rural and it's very hilly, and there's rivers and creeks everywhere. So there's constantly flooding. Like, yeah. people I work with, clients of mine, like, people are legitimately unable to go places when it rains a whole lot because of flooding. So the county schools, it's stupid, but it's like, all right, fine. But to close the city schools... Like we don't have that here. It's just like, it's a nod. Very small. It's just a nod to the fact that a substantial portion of the teachers and administrators come from outside this city area. So when I woke up and Bob told me, my first thought when Bob was like, "Oh, no school," my first thought, there must be a Michigan fan in charge of everything. <laughs> I legitimately thought can rule that out. Someone in charge needed a meeting canceled. Because they were up too late. And and then later my client was like, well, because so many teachers live in the county. It was like, that yeah, makes that, more sense. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably it, it so, and not my thing. So there's no more uh, whenever there's some sort of issue with the physical school, you default to remote learning. It's just like off. No, that's not. That's never been a thing. None of that. That was just a temporary pandemic thing. They're not. That wasn't even a thing. It was either you were in or you were out. Oh, well, they were. They had set up for a while there the contingency where Mm. they considered if we get shut down by COVID again, we might go remote for a week or two. Classroom at a time, COVID. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. Anyway. It's uh, it was fine. The kids stayed home and played video games and watched movies, and then we invited the some of the neighborhood kids got to come over and play video games as well. So there was a flurry of activity here while I tried to tip tap my way through the morning press. Uh, good times all around. 
I guess we should move into uh, the national title game recap since uh, Lori brought it up. Michigan defeats Washington Congrats to all the Michigan fans in a game that was not particularly close. Uh, it especially was kind of right. close a little bit, but not really. It felt like it might be close right. through the middle. Yeah. yeah, it was a it was a very similar, oddly, game to the Alabama game that Michigan played the week before, wherein Michigan comes out with a tremendous game plan, and Michigan came out with their fucking pants on fire and their hair on fire, and that front four especially just absolutely owned the first quarter, and Washington couldn't get anything going at all. And for whatever reason, Michigan's offense looked awesome for the first two or three series of the game, and it looked like it was going to be some sort of a blowout because Michigan was doing awesome and Washington had seemingly barely shown up. And then all of a sudden, things turned in the same way that they turned in that Alabama game, and Washington was able to put some stuff together, and Michigan's offense started to fizzle. I was surprised by the result, ultimately, or not necessarily. I mean, I was hoping for and expected Washington to win, as I said on the show last week, and they just missed They missed some open plays that they needed to hit to get to crawl back all the way into that game. They're only down a, only down a score right. at halftime and for much of the third quarter, but they just couldn't quite hit. And that one fucking play that they did hit that was a deep throw to that receiver who's probably the best, if either the best or the second best receiver in the country behind your boy. Oh, Marvin Harrison. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, Adunze, I think yeah. is his name. Rome Adunze. He, uh, he got turned around a couple times and, and, and ran the wrong route maybe, or, or maybe Penix was just off. He was, was kind of hard to tell. At least one play where there was like some sort of breakdown in coverage and that, I don't know if it was a Dunze or another receiver, but it was like easy touchdown and like just overthrew right. it. Yeah, and also he was hard. There were a couple of times where there were breaking open receivers, but uh, he was just hassled and hurried too much to have time to find them. Right. Like he was just that that front four. They didn't blitz a ton. That front four just owned the offensive line of Washington all night. And and then again, like that one time that they hit a long play to a Dunze. They throw a holding flag, which then you watch the replay, and it is a very sketchy. I mean, I don't want to go. He was uh, holding full, him, wasn't he? Is it number seventy three? He's he was fucking up the whole game. There were a couple of calls on seventy three, but the one on the long play, I recall as not being all that flagrant. You can especially push. given you can pull like he just kind of like did this weird hand thing. Okay, but go and and I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to a Twitter thread of all of the Michigan holds that didn't get called in this Sorry. game. Like the the Michigan again and I didn't notice it as much last night because I was trying to write while we were while while watching the game. I wasn't paying strict attention to the game as much as I had been previously, but Looking at the highlights, Michigan got away with murder again, both in the secondary and and on the offensive line. Uh, and if if the and 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 at one point Herb Street even said, "Wow, they're really letting them play." It's like, yeah, it's a, every time the every play, the Michigan secondary is holding the the couple of really good receivers that Washington has, and they're not throwing the flag. Yeah, they're letting them play when it's on this side of the field, and then uh, the, in the other direction, not so much. They had uh, more yards rushing. Michigan did than Washington had in total. And most of that, I mean, a lot of that came at the beginning. That first quarter was like, 
They were yeah. trying to stat like 19 that yards first quarter, every time they got the ball. That first, yeah, a lot of it came just in the first quarter, including on the 41-yard touchdown run that had an obvious hold right. on it when you watched it in, in replay. Like, just a brutal, oh, yeah, that's that's why he was able to do that. There was another one on one of McCarthy's runs that was just super obvious, and I think there was another one on the on the— on the other long touchdown run as well. And you're not going to get every single one of them, but you would expect like when it's so flagrant that they're at least going to throw the flag once. And they, they just didn't all night. Well, congrats to Michigan. They, there yeah. was a weird, I mean, the stat, you know, cause like, so this is a 15 and 0 team. Georgia was the same last year. LSU Clemson also 15 and 0. Uh, they also were showing all these different stats. Michigan, held all of their opponents all year to 24 or fewer points, and they've scored in every game 24 or more points. So it was kind of like this. And I know they weren't playing the greatest of teams early on, but, like, they beat Alabama. I mean, if you substitute Georgia, I think Georgia could beat them, but, like, we'll never know. Uh, It's, yeah. But even— I I didn't think they were that good, though. I've I've We watched them play a bunch of times this year, and I really didn't think that they were all that— Great. They had a slump when we watched them play in the middle. It's it's one of those things. No one's that good in the beginning of the year. Yeah. Yes. Like when you start like the season, nobody's good, and we start every football season saying nobody's good this year, and yeah. it's because nobody's I, good I, yet. I think we were right. I think even this fifteen and yeah. zero Michigan team wasn't that great. They obviously had sort of problems uh, that revealed themselves in the middle of both of the last two games, and and ultimately despite shockingly dominant performances in in large chunks of these games they were still highly vulnerable until they until obviously yeah, they weren't right, right? The, like i mean that, the, that's silly to say but they 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 could have lost either of these games except for the fact that they did as a maybe it's a, a fact of their they're well coached or they're a veteran team or whatever it is they made every single fucking fingernail play that they had to make in order for this to happen, like that long throw to the tight end in the for, in the fourth quarter, it just barely gets made. Uh, but it's great, you know. Like th- those are the sorts of plays you have to make in order for it to happen. There weren't quite as many of them, like like by the skin of your teeth plays in this game as there were in the in the week before against Alabama. Right. But they still made all of the ones that they needed to make, and that that was sort of ultimately the difference. So in the podcast I was just listening to before sitting here with you guys, uh, the guy was saying that it wasn't talked about a lot that I think five or six or seven of the Michigan defensive line are like super seniors. Oh, okay. Like fifth and sixth year COVID COVID year year, or graduate students. So like that that makes a big difference yeah, in a game. I think that like now looking back at the season, now that Michigan's won, it feels a little like the way that the Georgia team that broke our little drought felt like this is our year. It's this it, like this is happening. Oh, this is the, I mean that's what I said. I said this that 2 year. months ago. I said that as much as I don't trust this Michigan team, it might just be like this is one of those stupid college football years where ah, this is a team of <laughs> destiny type nonsense. Now, they're just going to win it. I, uh, I, I imagine uh, there will be other 15-0 teams in the future, but I can't imagine a head coach of a national championship team missing six games 
due to a suspension, yeah. right? That that record's gonna hold, right? I mean, like that that's an unusual yes. year where you are suspended for six games and you go on to win all the games and you win the national title. Also, there really there will be another fifteen and OT. No, there won't because you'll have to play more than fifteen yeah, games. Right. Aren't you gonna have to play sixteen? Yeah. Like, you'll have to play sixteen. Also, it's just going to be so much harder. No, there won't be yeah. there won't be a seventeen and O team because presumably, if you're in the if you're in the first round of the you, playoffs, you, you will likely yeah. have That's lost. Yeah. but I guess it's technically possible that there could be five undefeated teams. Right, like one if of Liberty, them. if Liberty or something had sneaks into the playoff as the twelve seed, and like just because they won their conference without losing a game, and then they, yeah, I mean, it's not impossible. Yeah. It's not impossible. It's just gonna it's gonna be a lot harder. Yeah. You know. uh Bob, you mentioned earlier that, you know, Michigan was rolling until they weren't, you know, there was like a, a bit of a stall, like, what was it, like second quarter-ish? Some, at some point in the second quarter, things kind of died down for a bit, and then they pulled away in the fourth. Like, they showed a... Uh, By the way, John- they only pull away in the fourth with like four minutes right, yeah. to go. I, so I it think, wasn't- yeah, the score is a little... I mean, it's kind of like the, the Alabama-Georgia game where, like, we kind of... It ended up being like a two-score game, but it was close all, yeah. for a while. But they show... I guess uh, Harbaugh's older brother was like some sort of weather-related delay. He shows up in the second quarter. Like they, sh- I remember they showed him, and the team just kind of stopped playing well. And I didn't see him for right. a while, and then they eventually pulled. I was like, if they lose, this is going to be because of him. Like he, he just showed up. It with is. His- it, w- it would absolutely be on John. <laughs> Jim would never let him fucking live it down. I guarantee it. Everything was we going were doing well. great until you came over and gave me a hug. You piece of shit. Uh, is there anything else about the game to say? Do I, we? No, um, I, uh, I will say like uh, the the P- Michael P- uh, the Penix 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 yep. uh, Junior. Yep. Uh, he looked uh, awful. Like uh, whatever. Uh, hi- hi- he looked awful, and JJ McCarthy looked great. But I'd still, if I'm drafting a, a league, I'm I'm taking Michael Penix, and I'm not taking JJ McCarthy. I don't trust JJ McCarthy. Like flustered. Because of all of the pressure. I mean, yeah, I mean, the same thing happened to Alabama. I mean, that front four of Michigan is for real. I mean, I don't know about the other, uh, t- you know, uh, the offense or whatever. I mean, the running team, uh, the the running backs are pretty good. But their front four on Michigan, amazing. They're just kind of just right. doing whatever they want. Uh, and so, like, he just was kind of just rattled the whole game. Like, he had no – so he was, like, even when he wasn't, like, hit he was inaccurate because it's it kind of like bracing or i don't know what was going on with him but like he was kind of he had no game. he had no time in the pocket like it was and and even the ones that he was able to get off cleanly yeah it was obvious that he was a little bit yipsy yeah. like he was throwing the ball high and hard and fast and it was just not quite accurate enough not the way that it had been in every other game that I've seen him this year, and I think it has everything to do with the the pressure that he was under, not not the well, and they pressure threw up of the big stat game. But that was like he's super accurate, not pressured, and not so much when he right. is pressured. They, uh, he needs to he needs to make a big show of uh, meditating, like the other quarterback. Like, look at me, I'm breathing. Uh. Or not. When they go to uh, Holly Rowe in the <laughs> third quarter, and she's like, you know, at halftime, J.J., well, he just got out all of his tools from his psychological toolbox and spent a, a lot of time going through his mantras with it's the school what white sports do, psychologist. Uh, uh, I'll have you know the school sports psychologist is a black fellow. A black doctor fellow, I think, is the uh, yeah. proper term. Yeah, but you can breathe inside but, uh, in the locker room. There's nothing wrong with meditation, but, like, why are you making a big thing? 
He's got to put his. It's he's got to put his little. Shit. He's got to put his little socked feeties onto the onto the rubber turf to ground himself because it's, there's there's it's nothing Tom like stuff. artificial turf made up of <laughs> hundreds of millions of little pieces of ground up rubber tire to make you feel grounded to Mother Everyone Earth. Everyone knows that. Also, where was Tom Brady? Yeah, you know they showed that. All of the celebrities uh, in that suite with Jordan, uh-huh. and I think Spike Lee was in the background. I couldn't tell, but there were like a lot of just random other celebrities there. Basketball players yeah. and, and Derek Jeter and Michael and Jordan guy, and Stephen and A. Smith. Wasn't the Travis Scott the guy that was involved in the human stampede? That like he's back in the good graces of people. But yeah, like I didn't see Tom Brady. You know, people are all into celebrity and stuff, but I was looking at the footage of that uh, of that box with Derek Jeter and Michael Jordan and Stephen A. Smith. And I couldn't think of a place in that stadium I'd want to be less than that than that luxury box. Like, I don't want to be around those people. I want to be and right behind. They don't want you around them, so that works I, out. I want, I want to be behind the, the Harbaugh, the, the parents who are just kind of just hooting and hollering the whole time. That would be a much better hang. Yeah. But uh, good for Michigan. I don't know. Isn't Michigan. Tom Brady – Tom Brady – like this is the, the Tom Brady – why wasn't Tom Brady there is because he's a little bit too much like Tom Cruise where my, my old take about Tom Cruise is that the least believable thing about Tom Cruise in a Tom Cruise movie is when yeah. he tries to do normal human things uh, like have a beer with his buds or like <laughs> – Yeah. Or just like wash his hands after going to the it bathroom. It goes along with like it's, not it's existing. Deeply, it's deeply inhuman – for Tom Cruise to attempt to wash his hands after going to the bathroom, I don't believe. I, I think the germs probably just leap off of Tom Cruise out of uh, mortal terror rather than needing to wash his hands. And I can't picture Tom Cruise doing that. Uh, but I don't believe that he has dirty hands either. So similarly, like uh, Tom Brady, I can't imagine him just hanging and having a good time with his no, celebrity all he does buds. Is meditate. In the in I the luxury box, uh, didn't he get drunk once? Like after the one Super Bowl, he seemed like if uh, you can apply him with some alcohol, he can uh, loosen up a bit. I guess is that. Uh, but not with, like, that's cool not in keeping people. with his plyometrics no. and and. Uh, but he's retired. Like ionized now. water routine. Yeah. That's why it's not going to work for. Doesn't he have like a like a five hundred million dollar contract million with Fox starting this this upcoming year? I don't know why he had a gap yeah, starting, year. We're going to see him to do what? He's going to be a, a studio yeah. guy or a or a play by play guy or to get something, it to be right? Like uh, yeah. Tony Romo or something. Although, like I, I can imagine his angle will be just to be because he 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 think I mean he does have the credibility because he's won all those titles, but he's going to take the angle of just being brutally critical of quarterbacks. He's not going to do the oh I can kind of see what they're doing. Like he'll just make fun of the quarterbacks. I think that's his angle. That will be like if he does that. That would be great because the Sunday Night Crew with Tariko and uh, and Chris Collinsworth is just a, a ceaseless sunshine pumping routine where they're just blowing sunshine up. Everybody, I mean, everybody's asked. Did you notice that's all of the time? Yeah, didn't you say that uh, like AFC South action is getting all this propaganda talk by the boot? Like no matter what it is, it's even the primetime games or even just the regular one o'clock games. The broadcast booth is just pumping up bullshit for the players and coaches that they're covering. And Collinsworth is the worst about it. Collinsworth will see like a pretty good throw to a wide receiver 30 yards down the field where he, he had to jump and catch it and then fell down. Right. And so it's just, it's a complete pass. 30, and he just, Mike, I just don't, I, just, oh, I can't, you just can't even believe what you're seeing. Like Chris, 
Man, you've seen a lot of football. Right. Man, just in the last few years, you've seen a lot of football. You've been around the game your whole life. Why are you so constantly amazed by the thing that's happening that you cannot even verbalize anything except just to laugh at the thing that's happening in front of you as though it's so absurd that these people are able to do the thing that they're doing like occasionally and it is but, yeah, but like, like that's what it is once or twice in a in a in a three or five year span do you see an odell beckham yes. make the yeah. play that odell beckham yeah. made at which point it is appropriate to to have that sort of reaction but collinsworth just does it like 14 times a night when he and Tariko are calling a, a normal regular season game between the nine and seven Steelers and the and the five and ten Titans or something like it, it's just it's too Do much. Do you think that Chris, uh, some of much. that is for the social media audience where they just chop up like you know here's like a 40 second clip of this play? I hope not consciously. Right? I hope he's not doing yeah, that. Yeah, otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Anyway, uh, is Harbaugh going to stick around? There was some weird contract stuff going around with him where, like, Michigan apparently offered him a 10-year deal that included you have to stay here at least next year was the only caveat in terms of uh, an exit, like, which didn't make any sense to huh. me. Like, why are you going to give him a 10-year contract worth $120 million or whatever the figure would be? And then say, but you only have to stick around for one year. Yeah, that uh, doesn't make a whole lot of did sense. Did he sign that contract? No, he has not signed okay. an extension. So I don't he's think going he's to not. the Raiders. Then, right? I mean, like, well, that seems to be no. He's being incredibly. I don't know. What do you think? Annoying. That's the question. Will Harbaugh come back and be a Michigan man for life, or because this is the time to yes. go if you're going to go? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like Especially you, with who knows uh, what other things uh, will be uncovered with uh, whatever happened, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You combine the fact that he's under investigation with the fact that they won their first title since 1997 and sort of also since 1948. Right. Uh, the fact that we're moving into a new era where Michigan is unlikely to go on the sort of run that they've gone on in the last few years where they've made the playoff. I mean, maybe they'll continue to make the playoff uh, year after year with the expanded format. But the chances of another title are, are slim given the nature of the, their talent at this point where they're going to lose a bunch of guys to the NFL next year. Does he want to go through a rebuild where he goes nine and three or right. something and then has to go when he's not the, the big hype man, uh, go get a contract in the NFL. I don't know. Now would be the year to jump if he's going to jump. I know previously I'd said, I don't see him going anywhere, but, um, the feeling is different now for whatever reason. I think he's gone. Right. I mean, you have your mission accomplished moment. Yeah, you're right. They're the super conference next year, all these, other teams are joining the conference. Like, why not just leave? And you've already done it in college, and then you can try to do it uh, before your. Although his big brother already won, right? Like, uh, so he, you know, try to match that. I wouldn't hire him if I was an NFL GM. I don't want He's him as great. my. Uh, well, look what he did with the 49ers. Like he was great until whatever was going on with the front office. But like, but he, apparently he's really weird. Oh, he's he such is a psychopath. Very weird. He like but he's, at the end of that game. Well at the end others. of that game, he's doing the interview with Holly Rowe, and he's looking around, and he's all the, the confetti, confetti is coming down. And he's like, "There's a story in every single one of those pieces of blue and maize confetti." Like, did you? Did you Jim Nance that? <laughs> Did you write that down last night in the hotel room and say, like, this is what I'm going to say when the confetti comes down? I think he did. <laughs> I think, think he had that, that he like, Jim Nance yeah, that ahead of time. Didn't he? He's also getting a tattoo. He bet with his team. Wasn't that like a 
something you couldn't do back when Ohio State did some tattoo issue, uh, or was that a rank thing? But like, yeah, he he's gonna put on some Michigan tattoo now because he bet with his team. Yeah, he's gonna get a, a the the blue and maize M uh, to represent both Michigan and also the number one thousand in Roman numerals because it's uh, they had their thousandth win as a program here this season. Oh, that's cool. And then also a fifteen and O beneath it which i don't i don't i don't like i know they do what they want to do and obviously uh you know it's his body his choice but 15 and 0 isn't special enough to me like i like the i like the symbolism there as laurie is suggesting uh the m and the roman numeral and all of that that works but like 15 and 0 seems a little uh i don't know like that happens there were other like we did that last year like it's not that it's special but it's weird like up until uh, i think like there was there was showing like that Clemson the three of us was like the first in like a long while, and then after that it was like LSU, and then Georgia, and then Michigan. So everybody's been doing it lately. Yeah. But if his tattoo's big enough, that 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 would guarantee that he's leaving. There's no room for a second title, right? So he's like, all right, this is it, the one title, fifteen and zero. There's no room <laughs> right. for a second title. I'm out. All right, Abe, you sent out a link to us that had the hundred most watched U.S. television broadcasts yeah. of the year. Broadcasts. It was uh, on What's broadcast. That? It wasn't like cable, but yeah, it was like all the broadcast channels. Right. And it was thoroughly dominated by football. To the, the NFL in particular. Right, by the NFL in particular, but also some college games in there, I believe. Yeah, but if it's dominated by something. I'll make sure there's a link to the – or I'll, I'll put the photo of it in the in the show note because when you look at the graphic, it's – it just looks like a hundred footballs because they just they list it by type of event. There are three college games on there. And it the, is dominated by the NFL. The first twenty US TV broadcasts of twenty twenty three in terms of ratings were all football games uh, before you get to number twenty one. The state of the union, which was state of the union, the state oh, of the union, up. oddly enough, and then it's closing out the top. 50 after that is all <laughs> NFL football games. Uh, not the Thanksgiving parade, Bob. Oh, sorry. In at number 45 is the Thanksgiving Day parade, uh, which is utterly <laughs> mystifying to me. We watch uh, it. Possibly people are only tuning in as a lead-in to football. People, like, has it's the, just has the there's football, nothing else on. <laughs> has the football started yet? And then uh, 58, you get to, I think, your first broadcast yep. college game. That's what that looks like. And then... The Oscars in there at 60, and then you got to go all the way to 92 before you get to uh, what looks like a non-football thing, but is in fact just the Super Bowl <laughs> post-game show. Uh, so uh, everything – and then if you go and you look at the most watched shows uh, non-broadcast, like like things that are on, on cable TV or, or Netflix – it's still something like approaching 60, I think, of right. the top 100 are all – uh, football related in w- some form or fashion, including the pregame and postgame shows for the Super Bowl and like some 60 yeah. minutes broadcasts that sneak in there by virtue of the fact that they're right there after football. I bring it up uh, in part because like, holy uh, shit, holy shit uh, the, the way that the, the culture is dominated by football at this point. And it's it's interesting to me that you it's also sort of the only place that you go on your uh, television and radio dial, so to speak, on on the cultural dial, where you still hear sort of like classic rock radio yep. uh, culture. There like, was a lot there of was, classic rock there was, last night. It was like ZZ Top in and out of commercial breaks of all night rock. last night. And I'm like, yeah, fucking LaGrange, are you kidding me? I'm right for you. Uh, 
like right at me. Where is this coming from? Like, and I think that there's. And theoretically, you, you have spending money. You can that's see, where that right, is. Theoretically, you can see it in in football broadcasts everywhere. Like Fo- you watch a Fox Television uh, football broadcast, and it's a lot of fucking just like jockey white dude nonsense in terms of the presentation of the game. And then you go to the commercials and it's like, we're in this weird other America where 90% of people are minorities, uh, where where the only white person that's there is a fucking dope or is awful. And uh, (laughs) this is an old complaint of my, we used to talk about, very old complaint of yours. We used to talk about the, because I think this was an Abe thing where you, you're watching the, like the ADT commercial of the of yeah, the, right. the break in happening, and it's it's always a right. clean cut right. white Attractive guy, white guy who's doing <laughs> crimes, and it's usually either a woman, a stay at home single mom or something who's in trouble, or a minority family of some sort who's who's being yeah. uh, burgled by the middle American looking white fella. Uh, but now it's so much more absurd than that. There's a con- I'm not going to say it's a concerted effort, but white guys went from being like sort of the prime demographic, like right. uh, this is who we're aiming at. Like this is everything's for you. Like congratulations, <laughs> it's all fucking for you. Or at least right. that was what we're we're told. Uh, if there's a white person in a commercial now, they're either the butt of the joke or incredibly unpleasant to imagine yourself being around. There are those commercials, I think it's an Allstate campaign, where they have the guy who listens to podcasts and he's at work and he's, I'm the guy who listens to fucking podcasts and he's got the earbuds in all the time and anybody tries to talk to him, he's like, oh, yeah, there's a yeah. podcast about that. Did you know that there's a pod? And he's, he's in the meeting and he's got his earbuds in and uh, the guy's like, are you listening to a podcast during the work meeting, you fucking dummy? And he's like, yeah, it's about multitasking. It's like, all right, uh, this is a deep, like this is the sort of person you wouldn't want to be around for more than fucking five seconds. Because all uh-huh. he, are you suggesting this is me? Is that what you're getting at? Then there's the also in the Allstate family of uh, of commercials. There's that awful I white like woman. Her. Stop talking about her which, like she's not good. I like her. It's not going to fit. It's not oh. going to fit, lady. <laughs> it's not going to fit. Who, who like looks around at people trying to do stuff in her world and like Granny's trying to jam the turkey into the oven and she's, she's like, just, Granny, she's it's, just not gonna help, it's not going to fit. It's not going to fit. Uh, and it, it opens with a very risque joke where she pulls up to the guy uh, trying to load the, the expensive uh, widescreen TV into the back of his car outside right. the Costco or what have you. And she's like, hey, fella, you're going to need another four inches there. It's like, whoa. Well, she talk- <laughs> she, she's talking about penises, I think. Uh, she's a size queen on top Are of everything gonna else. Are we going to talk about the penis guy? What penis guy? The guy with the tiny penis in the pool. Oh no! I don't think I don't think that was in the show note. Okay. Uh, did you see the video? Lori's referring to a, a social media oh, video that a, made the rounds. Oh, pool! I'm sure. Come on. Wherein a man yeah. goes, he goes skinny dipping at the at the Dick Sporting Goods or the or the. He's probably having a mental oh, it a, breakdown. It was a Bass Outdoor. What were those Bass stores Pro called? Shops. Bass Pro Shop. Yeah. In Birmingham, Alabama. He certainly seemed like he was. Uh, what was the drug that uh, that like he, bath salts? He's like smoking bath salts, or maybe took took what Roseanne the took ambient? that led to the bad the tweets. The ambient. He strips down at the Bass Pro Shops and leaps into the 
I mean, what can only be described as a, very cold. a truly majestic waterfall that they have inside this Bass Pro Shops, which was the most fascinating part of the video to me. Uh, what the fuck is going on that you can build this uh, truly impressive waterfall <laughs> inside your outdoorsman shop? You really need to go out more, I think. But the video seemed to suggest that the man was not a, not particularly well equipped. <laughs> In that equipped. moment, I'm sure. Uh, if he was more excited, that, uh, things would be different. I'm sure he's perfectly. I'm sure he's perfectly equipped, average human being. It uh, was just like for please, me to see on sir, my normal if internet. If you hear this, nine eight eight. Okay, <laughs> somebody can talk you down. It's going to be fine. Uh, it's just. It's like my internet's right. normally not that, and then suddenly yeah. it was a lot of that. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes if you desperately need to see a nude man doing a Don't worry, barely you won't nude, see yeah. any penis. A bad cannonball into a, a large tank of water in a Bass Pro Shops. But the main reason that I would want to bring this up is because the asshole who's taking the video is oh, taking yes. it yes. in portrait mode, which means that the most important part of this entire I think it's barely two minutes of video. They do not capture, right? So we've got the dope, and he's bouncing up and down in the waterfall or what have you. And he pans over to see the responding law enforcement officers who are climbing up the stairs and yelling at this individual to to get out of the pool. And as he pans, because he's in portrait mode, he does not capture the moment that the man somehow falls out of this 15 or 18 foot tall tank that he's in and knocks himself unconscious on the rocks below and then just lays there like a dead fish. And then he finally pans back over and and they drag him nude by his handcuffed arms along like very, it's very slick surface. They're just, they're just able to drag him as though he were like an eel. Like he's coated in some sort of slime. They can drag him across the, the floor there. Uh, but God damn it, people, get your phone out and put it in landscape mode. When there's a naked guy in a pool and you plan on this being viewed on something that's not a phone, but landscape it. Even if it were going to be viewed on a phone, if you were in landscape mode, you would right. have caught the crucial moment in which this individual comes out of the tank and knocks himself silly. I'm sorry I brought it up. What were we talking about? The commercials. About? Uh... Yes, it's oh, yes. not going to fit. Yes. The it's not it's, going to fit, lady. The point is, uh, th- that's a deeply unpleasant person that you don't want to spend any time around. But you think that that's uh, like the only role that uh, white actors are given? I mean, they, you know, that, that guy that uh, these people that are our age that are pretending that they're like 70 years old about like they don't know how they're becoming like their parents. Those are good commercials. And the guy's like, oh, no, no, no. Don't give yeah. the person advice. They're not asking for it. You know, like that's pretty normal character. Those are not good commercials. Okay. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the way most of these people are behaving. Why are you right? When, when, when he goes into the Chipotle and he orders a fucking burrito bowl and they charge him $22 for it. And he's like, no, no, no. I only, I only got the one. I'm just paying for my lunch, not the whole restaurant's lunch. Uh, that's not poor dad behavior. That's just. Look up. And look at you know what you're, you're walking into. This is the price. You're surprised at the price. Is the price? How dare you, old man? Bob is um, Bob's a dad. <laughs> is the thing. Bob has become old. Anyway, so. uh, the point is, just keep, I'm sure that people have noticed it, and it's impolite to notice it. Uh, like it's one of those things that if you notice it now, I'm somehow a racist asshole well, for noticing yeah. it. Uh, the the un, the two unwritten rules uh, of commercials: the criminal can be a non-white, whatever, uh, and and. 
any fast food, Taco Bell, whatever can be fat. Like you know, all of these like impossibly thin people eating all look of at this those, food. Look at those Wendy's commercials. Yeah. The Wendy's commercials with the just irrationally yeah. beautiful <laughs> girl who's trying to sell you the pretzel bacon burgerator or whatever right. the fuck it is. This, this woman has never smelled the inside of a Wendy's, <laughs> never mind worked at one. What are we talking about here? But if there's a yeah. dummy... If there's a dummy in your commercial, he's going to right. be white. And if someone is reacting to that dummy, it's going to be a minority of some but sort. But maybe that's just what actual life is like. Maybe this is art imitating life. Yeah, it's entirely possible like, that, that— You know, it, and we just don't like want to admit it. It's like a stopgap phase, right? Basically, like, before it was, like, all white. And then now then you're introducing the minority characters. And then once everybody's the used point to that, here, then they'll make minority characters The point characters of this conversation, that. though— is that the football broadcast recognizes the fundamental underlying truth, that the reason that the top 100 most-watched U.S. TV broadcasts are all fucking football games is because the vast majority of the audience is it's just white people, right? That's just uh, It doesn't mean that there aren't minorities watching, right? That's true. But also, the thing that continues to drive this result is that white people are watching it, right? So we've talked about demographic shift right. in this country before, uh, and it has been dramatic in just our lifetimes in terms of uh, a shift from like 80 plus percent of a right. white population to something more like two thirds, I believe. Like I, I don't have the numbers in front yeah, of me because like I'm not a psycho <laughs> who cares about such things. But it's still the case that the majority of your audience is going to be uh, white right. folks just by the simple demographic realities of the country. But then you watch the commercials and there's there's an – there's a, I think it's an ESPN commercial where they have Stephen A. Smith say something absurd on ESPN. And then they cut to like a series of five or six people in a friend group who are, are going nuts uh, sharing the, the clip that Stephen A. Smith just did. Like, oh, no, yeah. he didn't just say that, that, that yeah. sort of thing. And it's like – first of all, it's a young, hip-looking black right. girl who said – a, who sends the video clip to a young hip looking Asian dude who sends the who then turns it over to the young hip looking Mexican fella who then it circles back around to a couple of uh, African American girls looking at their phones like I'm sorry ESPN it's a nice idea but that is not who is sharing this clip in this order in any fashion like you're living in some weird alternate fantasy world that maybe we're aspiring to I guess probably that's where yeah. some of that but also that, they, that's what they, it is. But why? Why is that aspir? Why? So, but that's it's weird to me. And I know uh, we're post George right. Floyd and post racial reckoning right. and all of this stuff. But why? Why is? Why do we have to be so circumspect in the way that we present the culture that is in fact not in keeping with reality? Like it. Like to me, it. 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 it it is beginning to leak into the absurd. Right, but I mean— right? I'm not watching TV to see but reality. Also, I'm in reality right, for that. Right, but also, Bob, you're kind of like, okay, that, that is true if you look at race, but it's also true when, look, when you're looking— you're not showing poor people. They're not showing fat people. It's like a very bizarre world where everybody's like beautiful and like brownish and, and like— happy. Happy, and they have like they can afford $130,000 cars and like— Right, it's, it's the whole thing. This is hyper real kind of world, and I don't know if it's aspirational or I don't know if it's just the people that work for these marketing companies look like. I don't know what it is, but like, it's not real for anything. It's, they're not trying to be like some schlubby guy from Mississippi, right? They're just trying to project some twenty year old whatever. Right, 
And they're all, and, and granted, they're all like super fucking smart and articulate, and yeah, they all and like, sound right when they talk. Completely, which is not what the world is like. Completely not in keeping right. with reality, yeah. right? Like it would. Be, <laughs> The more likely scenario is that the guy who's currently recovering from his uh, very terrible concussion after falling out of the tank at the at the Bass Pro Shop is the one who's trying to thumb his way through forwarding a video uh, that ESPN just tweeted out. Uh, that that's the the core target. Also, audience. they're making these ads not just to be aired during yeah, they, football. They, they, yeah, like football's super white, but they make these companies make ads. They run it for other on, for YouTube yeah. and yeah. for what. Whatever, yeah. like they're not just for also, football. A lot of you know, I don't know if they can break down. You know, of like let's say a hundred million people watch the Super Bowl every year, around a hundred, give or take. How many of those viewers are there for the commercials and the halftime show? Like, and, and it kind of like maybe people that would otherwise not be watching, like you know, the Jags play whomever, are watching the Super Bowl because it's like a you know, an event. And so, like, they're like the commercials are catered towards those people right. too. And the week and the week to week football is much more aimed at so called real America than the playoff football and the and the Super Bowl product right. will be. There will be a, a clear difference between the product that you would see in a, a week sixteen NFL game on Fox and the sort of product that you would see in their in their Super Bowl presentation. Right. On the just the last thing on the on the NFL, like so that that graphic that showed like ninety plus. Out of the 100 show, top shows uh, on broadcast television were the NFL. That must have emboldened the NFL to do what they're doing this upcoming weekend, which is to right. This was my this was my yeah. lead into the pay per view right. aspect it's, of the. No other like, baseball doesn't do this, right? This the NBA can't do like no one else would do this because they, they don't have that many viewers. They can't afford to lose them. But the NFL. So many people are watching it that they're making you pay for fucking Peacock, which is probably not going to be around a year from now. Like, I mean, this is one of the the streaming services that are not getting a large following. Like, they're not going to make the cut. Like, Paramount Plus and Peacock, no one has those things. There are six games this coming weekend, uh, and one of them is a true marquee matchup between two teams that you want to see play. Right. So uh, part of the problem is that the NFL doesn't have a ton of great teams this year. Uh, and and that's just true. The other part of the problem is that in an expanded playoff situation, you're lucky to get one team that you want to watch right. play in a in a early round playoff game. But like we've got the Packers at the Cowboys. The Packers aren't any right. good. The Cowboys they should win that game. Right. The Cowboys should win. They are the two seed. But there's a half decent chance that Dak shows up and throws three picks out of nowhere. <laughs> and that's just what Dak does from time to time. And the, I guess a 49ers or somebody like that. I don't think he'll struggle with the Packers. But yeah, he has that game in him. Right. But it's not like the, the Cowboys aren't great, right? Like, I mean, they've been they've been solid. They've got some good wins, but they're not a great team. But they're a marquee team. name. They're going to draw. No, I'm not saying. The Packers-Cowboys yeah. is a traditionally marquee. You put that on the marquee and people are excited right. for it. But, like, not this year. Not with Jordan Love yeah. and the Packers. Like, nobody – I mean, whatever. Then we've got He's the – a great player. How dare you? Rams at the Lions, which – That's uh, interesting because of Stafford. It's interesting enough, but the Rams aren't particularly good, and the Lions aren't particularly good. The Lions are fun, though. Yeah, It'll they're fun. fun. It'll be watch. a fun game. They're I'm not, supposed to be good. I I'm thought not, they were good. I'm not saying I'm not going to watch it. I am excited to yeah. watch football we're this weekend. We're going to watch all of them. That's why it's a stupid <laughs> thing to even worry about. Because, like, the, we're going to watch the games. Then you've got the Eagles at the Bucks. The Bucks are the four seed, even though they're <laughs> they're an actively bad team, uh, quarterbacked by Baker Mayfield. Baker uh, Mayfield, yeah. Uh, I and, thought they were going to get rid of that uh, 
if you win the division, you are automatically in the top four. I thought they were going to like reseed, but I guess they're not doing that. The Eagles are the five seed, despite having they have eleven wins this year, and and they've that lost they lost five out of six to close out yeah. the season, I believe, including spiraling out of control. Nearly, it was nearly six in a row because uh, if Tyrod Taylor doesn't throw a pick in the end zone, uh, they would have lost six in a row at the end of the season. They're in big trouble. If they lose to Baker Mayfield, they, somebody needs to be fired. Like that would be like an embarrassing just turn of events. It's very satisfying to me happens. personally as a as an anti Jalen Hurts person. Like I, I still don't believe that he's a great NFL. NFL quarterback, despite the the good run that, that he's had the last couple seasons. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, he, he seems like he's service. I don't know what's going on with him this year, but like that's a, I mean, they have so many bulldog fa- uh, players. It's kind of hard not to root for them. Don't trust. It is you're right. Don't trust Jalen Hurts. Don't trust uh, uh, Jared Goff there in Detroit. I don't need either. to trust any of them. I can be happy when my little friends do well. I will be happy when Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Eagles because that will be hilarious. <laughs> Uh, that would be so funny. <laughs> uh, Cle- Cleveland at Houston the next day. Uh, Houston's a fun team, as evidenced by that game that they played against the oh, Colts. C.J. Stroud, what a player. And then Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Buffalo, obviously, is a team that people want to watch, but uh, the Steelers aren't very good this year. They don't really have a quarterback. Uh, and then Miami at the Chiefs. Miami is a very fun young team coached by a weird coach with his strange gold 80s glasses and yeah. the Chiefs are the very Chiefs. Very likable, that coach. But that game is the game out of those six that I think undeniably is is the marquee game of the of the weekend. Right. And that is on Peacock, which is it costs five ninety nine a month. Maybe there's a free trial, but I don't know. I haven't looked into it yet. Oh, I can't imagine they'll give you a free trial. They want the the five ninety nine. How much did they pay? A hundred ten million dollars. They paid a hundred and ten million dollars. Uh, NBC did or Comcast did to put this game exclusively on Peacock rather than a, a a dual broadcast or or what have you. The local markets, Miami and Kansas City, will watch it yes. locally. But for all yes. of the rest of us, will be screwed. We won't watch it. We, so yeah. that's the question. That's the question. Saturday <laughs> night. It's 8.15, and the Dolphins and the Chiefs are coming on. Do you roll the dice and sign up for Peacock knowing, first of all, there's a better than 50-50 chance that the stream is going to suck based on previous experience where if if 15 or 18 or 20 million people decide that they want to watch this game – Peacock has not proven, or not any of these streaming-only services have proven that they have the infrastructure in place to handle that sort of a load. And right. uh, so there's a chance that it's going to be a very crappy stream that you're going to be attempting to watch. Uh, and then also, like, are you willing to pay $6 to watch an NFL game? Because there's no chance in hell that I'm, keeping, a game. that I'm keeping the service for more than the month that I'm going to get for the, right. the $6. So effectively, it's a pay-per-view situation, uh, except you get a we whole month. We have movies to watch. Uh, right. So are you – would you consider – I assume that if you want to watch that game, you'll go to a friend's house. You'll go to the, the sports bar in your neighborhood since right. you've got one of those. Right. We don't really have that option, having neither friends nor sports bars. Uh, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> but uh, if we want to watch this game, we're going to spend the $6 on it. Uh, would you consider doing so? So I, I think uh, – like I would like this – a trial balloon to fail because like playoff games get at least 25 million viewers, 30 million viewers, depending on the game. Uh, I don't know what their internal like goal is to like, if we hit 10 million paid people, that would be worth it. 
I don't know what the number will be, but I hope whatever that is, that this is like way under that. Like even like they must have had some sort of backroom deal to get like a marquee game. Like don't give us a stupid fucking Texans game. Like right. No one's going to pay $5 for that. Give us some marquee game. And this is pretty good. I mean, Tyreek Hill goes back to Kansas City. It, it should be a fun, high-scoring game. Uh, so they're like, yeah, give us that. Uh, so like whatever the, the numbers they're trying to hit to make this a successful transaction, I want them to be under that. So I'm not going to pay for it. Hopefully other people don't. That's the thing, is I desperately don't want this uh, experiment to succeed. I think they're going to say that it succeeded basically no matter what, though. No matter what, yeah. I and think so. so, like, uh, and I'm like, I'm really quite tempted to just spend the $6 and watch the goddamn game on Peacock because, like, that's what I want to do on Saturday night. Is I want, like, I don't want to, like, yeah, sure, I could watch something else, but I want to watch the live football game that is happening. That is sort of the only thing that we do as a culture anymore, as evidenced right. by that fucking stupid list of the top 100 shows uh that we do collectively we watch fucking football because uh we can turn it on whether we have a, a digital antenna or we have a, a youtube tv or a traditional cable package and we can all just fucking watch it and now there's going to be some like there's going to be in the low million it's like it's not a large number but there are going to be people who are just utterly befuddled by the fact that they go to turn on their tv to watch this game on saturday night and it's like what what do you mean it's not huge? You're right. talking about the old you, people. There's got to be a lot of people that are not aware of this until like 8 o'clock rolls around on Saturday night. And they're like, why isn't – like this is a playoffs. Like what do you mean it's not on? Like I have to pay for something. i got to call my kids and show me how. Like I don't think people know. Not everyone knows that this is going to be – because they'll sometimes do some – like you know when – I think they have uh, – I think NBC has two games. So they have the early game. On Saturday, the Browns Texans. That's gonna be on NBC and right. Peacock, which is also so like, part of the setup here, right? So they yeah. they give NBC the afternoon game so that they can spend four hours trying to convince America to go download the Peacock app and fork over six dollars. Do you think they'll have like a step by step, like a first download this right. app? If you have a Roku, click yeah. on the home. Like button. it's it's so hard <laughs> for the old people. Also, it's never enough money. Like the NFL is so profitable. They have all of the top hundred slots. Like, what more? Why? Why do they want just a little more money? Like, you have so much money. All of the franchises are like three times their value, just like from a few years ago. It's like just what on. More do you need? I think I think I saw this number. Just on the broadcast deals, the NFL distributes in excess of three hundred million dollars every single season to the teams. Right? right, like they just they just say here, <laughs> small market, big market doesn't matter. Completely shittily run organization or the best run organization in football, you made three hundred and forty right. million dollars this season because of arrangements it, that we have. It's literally foolproof. Like you can like if you pl- like I don't, I don't know anything about like airplanes, but if you made me like the CEO of Boeing, Boeing's going under like in eighteen months, right? If you put me in in, in like a Football field, I die like immediately. Make me the owner of any NFL team. I can't possibly fuck it up. I could be Abe. The, it's Dan yeah. Snyder proof. It's <laughs> Jeffrey Loria proof. It's, it's Jim Ursay proof. Like that's the situation we're in. These these organizations go from being like I, I, I was infuriated enough when uh, what's his name when and the Washington football team fella sold his team to go through and and do the math Snyder? on it. But like yeah. it went from uh, whatever he paid for it to. 
despite the fact that he attempted to run it off a cliff. Like he spent uh, 15 years just trying to drive the franchise into a concrete wall over and over again as fast as he possibly could, while also throwing parties with like strippers and blow and cheerleaders and sexually harassing people. And he still turned the organization in from like a a half a billion dollar worth to a seven billion dollar worth. I'm wearing the Washington football team hoodie right now. Look at that. See, it sells itself. I'm telling you, it is like the one thing where you can plug literally anybody in. And the value will just keep going. The up. problem is that this hundred and ten million dollars is uh, it's an enormous pile of money, but it's only uh, it's only less than double what Amazon pays per game to broadcast right. games throughout the season on Thursday nights. Like it's not an insane amount relative to recent uh, uh, deals that they... all of the Thursday night games though. No, sixty six and a half million dollars per game Amazon oh. pays to broadcast uh, Thursday night games. They're going to pay $110 million for a single playoff game. And even if it doesn't quite work, do you think that Apple TV won't consider dropping $115 or $150 million right. on a game next year? Because we have that now. No, it, but just in ter- like it, it won't be the last time that this happens, even if it doesn't work out the way that they want it to, because Apple will say, well, but yeah, we're different. We have a better right. product. We'll be able to maintain the, the customer after the initial month or what have you. Why don't they just go and, – and the reason – I didn't know the answer. But the reason that they don't just go to pay-per-view is because there's not – like they could make a, a handsome profit uh, by, by selling this to the end user individual at even like 25 or $30 a pop or something like that. But, but why do that and alienate the customer in that way when you can just get these dopey media conglomerates to fork over a fucking fortune uh, right. uh, with no guarantee of any sort of return? Like they're just in it for – the cachet or something just to do a four-hour commercial for their product and and you want the 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 barrier to entry for the casual fan to be just as low as possible why would you like you don't want to make it into like boxing or something to where like at some point people will just stop paying for like i mean nobody would watch brown's like if it was like let's say this i don't know well, that's why the Cowboys, are, the Cowboys aren't going to have a home – like the Cowboys are going to play a game in Mexico fucking City next year, right? right. Instead of that's a right. home game, instead of that, that beautiful monstrosity that he built down there in Dallas, uh, it's going to be empty instead of full on, on, a, on, a, on a Sunday the, in, in the fall because it doesn't matter. that like to, Relative to the NFL uh, television deals, it's more profitable for them to send the Cowboys down to Mexico City and say, look, you're getting a $350 million check right. this year from television anyway i think you might make it up in terms of the the missed out hot dog and beer sales that you might have had that day the nfl is a very much a tv product you know like baseball they get a lot of from just the the tickets that they sell at the actual games like but the nfl it's nice that they have fans there but like their bread and butter is the there are also audience. way more baseball games yeah and what's happening in uh in collegiate football the exact same thing you're gonna right. take you're gonna take something that used to be about uh, uh going to a, a campus on a saturday in the fall and it's just now about how many times a year can we get five to ten million people to tune in to the product on television not even on campus like it's just it's right. just such a fucking bummer but the one, like I said, you know, there's a lot of poo-pooing about the changes coming to college football. The one possible upside will be players will be using up all of their eligibility years. Instead of just saying, as soon as I can get the fuck out of here, no, I want to get will. out of here, they'll but stick they'll around. But 
they'll be get paid. They'll yeah, use they're getting, more yeah. of so their eligibility. It, right. So it solves that the financial incentive to leave. And so like you'll have three years, four years of like, oh, I know this these players, and you can kind of see them. That, that's the one thing I like about the NFL. Like if you hit like on a quarterback, they'll be there for like fifteen years. Right. But right. Like, College football, like every like eighteen months, like oh, who's this new guy on? Uh, who's the left tackle? Like this kid. Do you right. know who the left tackle usually though? <laughs> Not in college, no. We uh, we went through the games for the most part. The only teams that got left out there are the teams with a bye, which are the San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens. I will quickly pull up the uh, a double Harbaugh year. I mean, well, you know, the Ravens went too. That be sometimes that'd be it great. goes that way. Just like yeah. the Braves and the Bulldogs won the That's year. Right, yeah. You know, current Super sometimes Bowl. Sometimes it's a family. Current Super Bowl odds uh, show the San Francisco 49ers as the favorite at plus two twenty, and then the Ravens at plus three twenty, and then you jump to the Buffalo Bills at plus six fifty, and then it it sort of gets sillier from there all the way down to the Steelers uh, on whom if you were to bet $10 on the Steelers to win the Super Bowl you right lose now $10. you could win $1,300 if they actually did it uh, and they're in the playoffs like the, the Steelers yeah. are it's not like you're not betting on them to maybe make or not make the playoffs and then have to win the Super Bowl this is a team that's actually in the playoffs and just has to win like four games in order for your bet to turn into $1,300. You're sort of wasting money by not betting $10 on the Steelers <laughs> to win the Super Bowl. So that's uh, that's gambling advice from CIB. Abe, who's, for, going, who's going to win the whole thing? I, it's going to be a Harbaugh double feature. It's going to be the Ravens, right? It has to be. Like if one Harbaugh wins, the other one has to win too. I disagree. I don't think that's what's going to happen at all. In fact, either that or another elite run by Joe Flacco. He's not lost in the playoffs, right? And he's uh, the Cleveland Browns guy that got rid of yeah. the rapist because of injuries. Well, they didn't get rid of him. He's just on the sideline, right? He's just injured, yes. But, uh, yeah. Joe he's Flacco not ready to go, is he? He was he was toast for the year, right? I th- Yeah, I think he's done, done for the year. Right. It's not like, oh, if we make it to the title game, I can make it. I think he's done. I like the Ravens pick, but I also think that the Bills might actually get it done. Although I will say, Josh Allen is a bit of a dummy out there, uh, just slinging the football around, just yes. throwing picks in the end zone just because he can, it seems like. And he's, he can be frustrating to watch. But if the Bills maybe put it together, I could see them making a run. They have an easy first week here against the Steelers. I can't see them losing to the Steelers. And then uh, who knows what happens after that. But it's not exactly uh, – like there's no terrifying team in this playoffs. Even the Ravens – Ravens are, and 49ers, I mean, even though the, the Ravens, Ravens are good, but they look extreme. Like I, we see a lot of Ravens games here because we're in the the cable market. So if the Ravens are on television, then we have to watch them. Uh, okay. And so we get the Ravens and the and the Redskins, but the Ravens are at times a very sort of pedestrian team. Like Lamar Jackson's had a good season, but he hasn't pretty had cool for Todd Monken to win three championships in a row. Yeah, that, that yeah, Monken nice. is the is the OC for the Ravens. I don't particularly trust them in terms of like a prohibitive favorite. Uh, I put when the Bills a couple of weeks ago, the Bills all of a sudden their their betting odds for the Super Bowl tanked because they had a couple of bad games in a row. So I put fifty bucks on the Bills a couple of weeks ago. Oh, uh, nice! Uh, and and since then their odds have have gotten much higher in terms of uh, the the return being worse. So. 
that was a that was a bright decision that I made there. We'll see if it pays off. So I'm I'm going to ride the Bills. I'm going to make the wish the father of the bet. I want the Bills to win. They have uh, a five-game winning streak. I think it's the longest in the whole league so far. So yeah, there you go. Good. They're hot at the right time, as they That's say. That's right. Uh, so I'll be pulling for the Bills. Lori, who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? I don't do that. You have to pick. That's the rule. No. If you want to move on and eventually get to the end of this show, you have to choose a team. The Redskins. That's there they're not even. All right, I'll put you down for put you down for ten bucks on the Steelers. It is. Uh, it's too late to do predictions, so we're not going to do. That was a good answer by me. We're not going to do predictions tonight either. No, we need to do the music. I have good news, though. It's uh, it's Strassman night here on the show, as it is every week. It's now time for America's favorite game show. Did Mark Strassman, CBS News' senior national correspondent, get off a good one? Uh, Mark Strassman uh, produced a four-minute-long report for the CBS morning show. Uh, this week, I'm not going to subject you to the entire four minutes. You're welcome. Mark Strassman went to a town outside of Atlanta and he found a police department. I believe the town is called Brookhaven or something. That's uh, Brookhaven. It's like a, that's like a, it's like right. I used to work right next to Brookhaven. Yeah. Well, Abe, if you're ever uh, hanging out in Brookhaven uh, and you hear a weird buzzing sound, look up. Because it might be the case that there's a police drone flying above you. Uh, this is not our bogus future. This is, in fact, the Mark Strassman program here on the on CIB. Strassman goes and talks to this uh, police department. Believe it or not, according to Strassman's report, and so of course I believe it. Uh, I <laughs> he would take, never lie. How dare take it to the fucking bank? Mark Strassman said it on CBS. Uh, only fifteen. Uh, police departments in the country have a program like the one being run out of Brookhaven outside of Atlanta, uh, and they're not using them as like constant surveillance or so they say, but they're using them as as first responders uh, in addition to mm. regular police. So, of course, Abe, as you know, in your neck of the woods down there, traffic can be a problem. And oh, yeah. uh, Brookhaven has like a four and a half minute average response time to their emergency deployment Whereas the drone averages something like 90 seconds. So they, as soon as the call comes in, they shoot the drone up off of a, a nearby, not a skyscraper, but it's like a 15-story tall building or whatever. And right. it, it goes to where it needs to go. It can go quickly because it doesn't have to abide by normal traffic laws. Do you think laws. they will ever say as the drone flies instead of yeah, as the no, crow flies? Yeah, they should update that. Yeah, they, they should, should update, update that. that. Uh, Abe and I agree on that. That's because birds aren't real. Uh, if you <laughs> if you look at uh, yeah. some fun conspiracy Obviously. theories on the internet, it, birds, it's always Tom been Cruise, Tom Brady, as the real. drone flies, and it was a lie about birds. Of course, this raises some obvious civil liberties questions. No, uh, because like the, what? This is an emergency. No civil liberties when there's an emergency. Okay, and and the and the nice fella here that that talks to Strassman insists that yes, fella, huh? I what call them all fellas, Lori. It's okay. not my fault that the that they only present me with black fellas so much in the world. <laughs> it's it just it's just a description. All right, it's not a judgment. Uh, okay, there's a there's a white fella right there. Now back to the black Ooh, fella. Bob did a racism this weekend with the coach of the Texans. I did no such thing. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It was a not a. It was an ageism. It was not a racism. All right. So they showed oh, the coach of the Texans, whose name escapes me at the moment. D'Amico Ryan. D'Amico Ryan, former, uh, yeah. uh, former defensive, defensive-minded coach, right? Yeah. And they showed him on the sidelines before the game, and he's a very young-looking, fucking thirty-eight, young, yeah. fit-looking man. Bullshit. And they didn't have the the Chiron up there no. on the bottom of the screen to inform me. No, but. They were talking, and they were showing a guy. And I said, is that the head coach? And Bob was like, nah, he's black. That is not what happened <laughs> at all. does not strike me as a head coach caliber. I simply said, I don't think so. And then I started racking my brain to see if I could come up with who the hell is the coach of the Texans. I'm like, it's not Bill O'Brien. I'm confident that it's <laughs> not off, Bill yeah. O'Brien. He's the only Texans coach that I could call to mind in the moment. And I said, so I was like, no, I don't think so, but maybe. Uh, but the reason that I was dismissive of the possibility is because of how young he looked. I thought that he was, my, my assumption was that he was just an injured player who had not suited up for the game. Him up. Not even a coordinator. <laughs> he, not even a coordinator. Yeah. He literally played for the Texans. He was born in 1984. Very young younger man. Younger than us. Yeah. And looks yeah. even younger than that because uh, he's black because of his genetic yeah. inheritance. And he, and he shaved like there's no like a uh, hair that indicates any sort of right. Gray. Anyway, I didn't. Re- sorry, I didn't recognize D'Amico Ryan because I would fail a pop quiz hotshot about like 25 NFL coaches. I think I don't know who he is. Uh, if there's just, just some schlub like Rex Ryan there, like, oh, he's got to be head days. coach. Why else would he be there? I feel better now. It's not like he had a headset on and was uh, holding a clipboard. It was pregame warm-ups, and he was walking down the fucking sideline. It could have been anybody. Including the head coach. Yes, including, as it turns out, the very capable head coach of the team. Uh, Oh, I'm so glad that we talked about this. Anyway. Where were we? Something about drones? <laughs> I don't know. You kept talking. If the drones are flying over your uh, personal private property and you happen to have a fucking child slave tied up in your backyard, are the <laughs> are the police going to ignore that when they go to review the footage later? Uh, because that, that is an unreasonable Do they, search. Like, review as they're flying over to get to the... Because they're going to wherever the call is coming from, right? And so if they're like going over your... like. You know, you're like you're like burying a body in your backyard. Like, okay, under this tree will do. And then it it's not looking for you, but then there's some coverage over your building or your house. Like, they're not going to go back and look. Like, hey, what's that guy of doing? Of course with the they are. Are you oh, kidding please. me? He's constantly not doing it unless a robot does it. The humans are not going to do that. This why, is why a, do they care? this is a this is a human piloted drone who's watching a video feed of the thing as it's happening so that he can control it. Of right. course they're going to note when they see But they're not looking down, they're looking forward. Abe, maybe I should play you the whole fucking four minutes. Because it's uh, <laughs> not that you'll ever come around on the possibility <laughs> that uh, that the cops might do something untoward with the footage that they take. But they're taking... They haven't yet. <laughs> like, this is not, sure this is not the week... This is not the weakness of co- cops are like, you know, they get a little uh, handsy with you. Like, that's their failing. But it's not like they're doing extra work. That's right. not their angle. 
Anyway, the point here also is that they would be highly discouraged from doing uh, particularly untoward or illegal or unethical things with these cameras because no doubt they got a fairly sweetheart deal on the technology uh, just as a, as a trial run for whatever company it is that produced the thing in the hopes that this becomes a fucking $7 billion in- industry or what have you moving forward, right? This is a... A pilot if, program at this point. If you can, if you can give me the name of that company, I'm going to invest in them because, like years ago, I said, you know, we're not going to figure out this whole guns in schools and other places things. The next best thing we could do is like gargoyle drones. Like, so you have these like drones that are just kind of posted atop the building. Why are Maybe, all of your Why are all of your ideas involve uh, things flying around your head? Like your your billion dollar idea for the phone was to just have a drone that right, follows drone, you around. That's the future. Like an That's annoying pet. <laughs> yeah. Because you can move about pretty easily. Anyway, aren't you glad I didn't just play the fucking four-minute clip? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to save time. <laughs> anyway, this is the end of the, of the report. With a bird's-eye view, suspects still can run, but they can't hide. For CBS Mornings, Mark Strassman in Brookhaven, Georgia. Mark like, Strassman. Oh, I was going to say, I feel like the music from Cops should be playing after that. What <laughs> yeah, you're going to no do? Doubt. What you going to do? I was also feeling like, you know, we've seen great cop movies with, like, the officer and the dog, yeah. the yeah. two partners. Now you can have an officer and the robot. No doubt about R2-D2. it. I think this is a good thing. Yeah. I think you know, it, you, you have eyes on everything. You have the, the eyes of the people, eyes of the police, and eyes of this pilotless drone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just kind of keeps everybody accountable when yeah. you have these situations. And, and Mark Strassman is always good for a good closing line, right? You oh, can yeah. run, but you can't hide with <laughs> the drone in the they don't Tony the acknowledging Mark Strassman's ability to get off a good one, and in fact insisting that this week he did get off a good one. So if we're going to go on the DeCopel scale, Mark Strassman did get off a good one. Sadly, because uh, who fucking cares about what Tony DeCopel thinks with his his bad idea for a buddy cop movie that involves a drone and a cop? Uh, so we're going to go to Abe. Abe, did Mark Strassman, CBS News' senior national news correspondent, get off a good one? Yes, he did. That was a good one. You uh, agree with DeCopel. Right. Strassman gets off a good one. Society is not yet ready for the armed drones. Uh, that's coming maybe in 20 years. But in the interim, they can do like a bear net, you know, like where it'll shoot down. A, like So the people are running, just throw down the bear net, and it'll fall on them. And the fat cops a new- can catch them. I want to see a drone show real bad now. When you say society's not yet ready for the armed drones, how do you how does that not call to mind anything but RoboCop? Anything but the worst possible no, human no. future. Abe's right. It's but that was just like a land Blade robot. Runner and RoboCop. You're just but those describing are land robots. People actual are, nightmare worlds. Yeah, yeah land People robots are, are where you go wrong. The sky robots are all good. Yeah. I think that's bad, and I think that Nate Burleson is crazy to suggest that it's good, and Tony DeCopel. Uh, don't go stepping on our fucking game, DeCopel. All right, bro? Is it He's possible? He's trying to get involved. Bob, do you know how, anything about, like, getting listeners? I like, need to get Tony DeCopel 
I need to tweet at him or send yes. him an email or something and be like, DeCopel, you have no idea. Yes. There's a whole podcast. It's not my podcast. Obviously, it's not my <laughs> podcast. But there's this whole podcast where they spend like 10, 15 minutes a week just talking about whether or not Mark Strassman got off a good one. It could be should. a completely meaningless report that he did in hillbilly country about coal miners. And they, they'll they'll play the clip and talk about whether or not he got off a good one. You're going to love it. And you they'll, should promote get, it. just get a cease and desist on from cbs mornings i wonder if uh the couple was prodded by like the uh, executive executive producer like hey strassman didn't feel appreciated can you can you like throw some no surely thing not that you're what that is is it's it's an acknowledgement by the uh, the producers at cbs that that strassman hasn't been working hard enough lately That's on right. getting off good ones no because i went back into the archive and there are way better good ones in the archive than there have been recently even right. that i know we're going to give it to him fine yeah. it's fine but it's not it's not like deeply uncomfortably a good one right. like the the best strassman That's not what makes things good no it is the ones where he is talking about like a dead person and uh and and something deeply uncomfortable happens and he does sort of a half reverse racism by mistake uh that's what we're looking for strassman you need to go back dig deep my man and try harder contract year strassman come on <laughs> right all right let's play the billboard hot 100 game Welcome to Billboard Hot 100 game on the Cast Iron Brains Radio Network. Uh, this is the thing where we listen to a new song and an old song and complain mostly about both of them, unless it happens to be one of my favorite songs of all time. <laughs> By the way, uh, while you're doing the numbers, uh, the Michigan there was like a clip on social media about the, the kids celebrating yeah. the win yesterday, and they were playing a song that came out when they were born, which uh, speaks to the uh, the dearth of uh, song selections. Not just right any now. song, but a yeah. song that I have actively hated since it came out, which but, is okay, uh, Mr. Like, Mr. Brightside by The Killers. What song plays, I mean, or at least played at the Georgia Stadium was Baba O'Reilly. Like, that's the thing with, in order for something to become something everyone knows, it has to have a few years on it. It takes a little time, yeah. Like, it can't be a new song that all the students are singing. They don't, it's too new. You know why? Because there's not a song that you could reliably believe that the entire crowd would know and be able to sing along to. Because the children are starved for melody, Abe. That's part of it. No good choruses. There's no good melody. There's just the fucking, it's all vibes. It's all garbage vibes. It's all Taylor Swift and Drake's fault, as we've established many times before. But also. If I took a video of fucking barcode 20 years ago, it would be everybody. If everybody's singing, it's a song from 20 years ago. Right. It's just how it is. All right. Uh, I rolled the dice. We are at number 38 on the Billboard Hot 100. We are going to year number nine. So we're still hanging out down there in the bottom part of our game, which is uh, for the best usually. The Christmas songs have finally migrated off of the Billboard Hot 100. What's that, 1991? Uh, Jack Harlow is yeah, at the why are we top. So old. We are scrolling down to number 38. And we have a song. I'm sorry? Oh, go ahead. I'm, I was trying to guess what the 1990, whatever, one, 30. Oh, Maybe well, Millie Vanilli? <laughs> Millie Vanilli is Abe's guess. 
Not Pearl Jam or Soundgarden. <laughs> the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Didn't Millie, listen to those. Millie Vanilli. <laughs> Number 38 on this week's Billboard Hot 100 is Save Me the Trouble by a group called Dan Plus Shay. I have, I have no idea what we would even possibly be in for with the song Save Me the Trouble by Dan Plus Shay. Do either of you have any idea? If no. you made that up, I would not have known. Like, if you just made up that title. All right. It is two neatly bearded fellas, possibly both white, possibly one white and one not white, but I can't be certain. Which one do you think would be the head coach? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we have... <laughs> uh, neither. They're both sort of uh, quarterback-looking types. Uh, all right. Uh, they're a American country pop duo. So now I'm, I'm back on the white thing. They're probably both white after all. All right. So bad news. It's it's pop country. I will uh, now play a clip. We have to make sure that we give uh, either transformational or insightful analysis about the clip so that when right. we are dragged to court by their record label, we can claim fair use. Is shitting on a track insightful? If it is shitty and we shit insightfully, yes, I believe. I can tell by the way that you're stirring your drink Or we're already playing with fire Say that you had to go about an hour ago Baby, you're such a beautiful liar It feels like a movie I've already seen So right now I'm begging you please Why don't you save me the trouble Keep those pretty blue eyes to yourself Why don't you save me the trouble Give that the worst it doesn't sound new it sounds like it's like this is what stuff has sounded like for a, quite a while now straight to the bridge just go to the bridge quick 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 the bridge right into the bridge back into the chorus it's just chorus bridge chorus that's all we do anymore we don't ever have to listen to that again first of all uh save me as a as a concept in pop music very very well worn
you can You can say everything Say somebody save yourself I won't tell you you can save yourself because you can't very tired uh, lyric there obviously uh, you know what it sounds like to me a little bit when it's like what, what was that Really annoying. Uh, Fifteen years ago, okay, they were like they were well bearded, and there was a group of them, and they were Mumford very, and Sons. Very yes, it doesn't like, sound anthemic. like that at all. No, no, no. It it doesn't sound like that, but it does sort of have that feeling to it. No, not in that because they've added the country thing to it. But there's a little bit of a Mumford and Sons thing going on there. You're just with, thinking female fans with the harmonies uh, that they're doing. And the, the fact that there's multiple vocalists. You're going backwards. You're wrong. It's I'm not. fine. I'm not not wrong. So they uh, have won a Grammy? I'm looking at these people. No, nope, don't heard of believe them. you. I don't believe you. And also they've I lost, know. I guess, like, according to people, they lost 50 pounds. Good for them. Oh, yeah? This is a jelly roll situation? Is this... Uh, <laughs> not quite jelly roll, but, you know... These fellas are between the two of them. Or are we going to see them on Ozempic commercials and Wagovi <laughs> commercials moving forward? Uh, all right. Uh, one of them is the one that lost uh, fifty pounds. We have a one. guess. I'll bet it was the shorter one, right? Probably, right. The Shay guy. I don't know which one is Shay. If you have a, uh, your name is Dan and Shay. Do you always have to arrange yourself on stage <laughs> and on camera? Such that Dan is Man, is stage I left and Shay that. is stage right. <laughs> all right. Pulling up the Billboard Hot 100 for January 1991. So what's big then? Uh, MC Hammer's big right in 91? Yes. January 6th through Saturday the 12th, Madonna is at number one with a song called Justify My Love that we all certainly know. Janet Jackson, Bette Midler in the top ten. 
CNC Music Factory there at number 10. One of my, one of the very first two or three CDs that I ever owned. George Michael, Whitney Houston, Poison, Mariah. Mariah is such a reliable name uh, throughout this entire situation. She constantly shows up. Is this the Mariah Carey game, really? It might be. <laughs> Where she, in the world is Mariah Carey? I believe she's single again recently. Maybe uh, okay. get the word out. Robert Palmer, more Whitney. LL Cool J. Man, wow. maybe we're going to hit LL here at some point. Oh, my. We have Heart at number 38. <laughs> A song called Stranded. Uh, Heart, obviously, great. Uh, I'm not sure about the song Stranded. I'm not sure about 1991 Heart either. I'm a little bit worried. I know it's definitely going to be better than, uh, than Shannon Day, but it, I don't know if it's going to be great. Yeah, 91, is, this is a bad... We keep getting in this area, this like early, early 90s, and I don't like it. Yeah, there's no... There's basically no alternative rock in the top 100 at this point. To? 38, I was already there. I wonder if I'll recognize this song once it starts. Uh-oh. Gentle brooding music is what the closed captioning says. By the way, looking at the most replayed uh, section here. Yeah. In a good song, this section, the three-quarter mark, yeah. will reliably be the most replayed part of the song. Because that's how songs are supposed to work. In all of the new shit that we listen to, there's like a weird bubble, maybe a minute and a half in, and then it's just flat throughout because it all right. sounds the fucking same. Does that mean that people stop listening like 30 seconds in? Yep. And then it's just the people who remain. That's exactly what it means. Because it doesn't fucking build to anything. Unlike heart, that builds. Yeah, this is better. I don't like it, but it's better than whatever that was. Melancholy guitar solo. Fucking get it. I don't know that I would describe this as a melancholy I wouldn't guitar either, solo. Frankly, I wouldn't. I, I, I don't agree with that. This guitar solo riffs. I need to complain to the YouTube closed captioning system. All right. Uh, I don't particularly care for that song. No, but it's better than the other thing. But it is better and more memorable than that other piece of shit. Very low yeah, bar already... to clear, and it cleared it. Yeah. But. That's just the game. Right. <laughs> I'm going to see what the most watched heart video of all time is. Alone. Uh, yeah, it is. They got the wrong answer. It's not, it should not be alone. The correct answer should be Barracuda. But you don't need to watch the video for it. That's why. Because Alone is a music video and Barracuda is not. Fuck yeah, Barracuda. You fucking kidding me? What's another one that they do that I like? Crazy on you? Yeah, that one. Stretch 
friend that had that came out in seventy seven. They're one? still top forty in ninety one. Magic Dang, Man, oh. that's what it is. That's the good one. Magic Man? Yes. I don't know if I know that one. Yeah, you do. You've heard of it. Yeah, this is this is uh the classic rock radio that I grew up yeah. on. Yeah, Heart was great, and then they turned into that thing that we listened to in the early no, 90s. No, Heart was great, and then the 80s happened. Yeah. The 80s suck, just like it sucks now. Anyway, that's uh, the Billboard Hot 100 game. Heart, Heart wins in 1991. Uh, Shay and Dan, spelled S-H-A-Y, which is a, a, <laughs> it's a bad way to spell Shay, uh, first right. of all. By the way, it's likely that... Heart at its, at their lowest uh, did better than th- the peak of the Shea group. Yeah, are Shea and Dan brothers? Did we find no, out because not, Heart is sisters, related. right? That's true. According to the internet, they're not related. Th- those fellas are not related. No. Okay. Well, those white fellas are not related. <laughs> uh, Taylor Swift in at number two this week, by the way, uh, with "Cruel Summer." Did you catch any of the uh, uh, the, the the Golden Globe celebrity goings on? Yeah. So I did not watch it. I just saw. I guess the 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 host uh, didn't do too hot. Uh, but I saw on on the Drudge website that the the Golden Globes were up fifty percent in the ratings, which I always point to. You know, in the past, anytime ratings go down, which they have been, other than the NFL, right. things are going down. That's not indicative of any quality going up or down. I mean, it could, it's likely down too, but it, there's no like direct relationship. So like, yeah. it's not like. This year's Golden Globes were good, and that's why ratings are up. I don't know why they're up this year, but they were. No, we tuned in. I think Hollywood Foreign Press people—they got rid of them. Is that what? Yeah. So, a couple of years ago, there was a big uh, uh, Times Up type situation with the Hollywood Foreign Press, where there turns out there uh, we had the whole George Floyd thing happen, and then people were like, "Hey, there's no black people in your whole organization anywhere in the world," and they were like. Yeah, but like it's a it's a global organization. It's not like it's the foreign press. Like it's, right. it's just not a lot of black journalists doing movie stuff there in Norway or what have you. But also, anyway, yeah, weren't they on the take also? And um, yeah, like was, I always thought the Hollywood Foreign Press and their Golden Globes it was reminiscent of the Iowa caucus, which is like who whomever wins, like oh Huckabee wins, like it's like a totally meaningless indicator and like the rest of the primaries go to whomever wins it eventually but like whoever wins these golden globes it's not like gonna propel those movies into the oscars right they're like okay that's fine they want some bullshit and we'll choose our movies like there's no indication that whomever wins the golden globes will have a better chance of winning the other major awards right no it's it's not reliable in that way certainly in part because uh, none of the voters overlapped, right? Like right. there was no. It's not like when you go to the Directors Guild Awards and there might be a bunch of people who vote for that That's thing right. that that feeds into the Oscar situation. Although I do think that uh, this year the Globes can be fairly predictive of what's coming, which is that Oppenheimer and Barbie are going to have very nice nights, uh, presumably. 
Uh, we didn't watch much of it. We just stumbled into what was apparently, according to the reviews, like maybe the most charming part of the evening. Yeah, which, which was, I didn't find it that charming. Not even particularly that? charming, but it was uh, the guy who was uh, Colbert's band leader for the first few years. Uh, John Baptiste? Jazz. Yeah, John Baptiste. Uh, he was presenting with some famous person who I don't know. And they had some good banter, I guess. Was okay. like they were they were amusing themselves. They seemed to be anyway. having a good time, right? They seemed was the to... audience into it, or they're just like in their yeah. own world. Yeah. The audience is always into it. It's all the people, like yeah. They were yeah. They were just having a nice time. I don't want to get into a whole thing, obviously, because uh, it's too late for that. You probably do, and you but, should just stop talking. Uh, the way that. Taylor Swift is still treated. I, I gave uh, your boy Binyam on the on the other show, the Biffler, yeah. uh, some shit for the way that he has a tendency to suck up to already wildly rich and powerful people who are behaving badly and be happy for them because they're just being their authentic selves. That's right. Because yeah. uh, they're they're shitty. And they have a billion fucking dollars. And so no one can tell them that they're being shitty. And right. so they're authentically being shitty. Like right. Kanye West and and Kyrie Irving and uh, n- numerous other examples of outright <laughs> criminal and amoral and, and immoral, unconscionable behavior yes. that your boy uh, celebrates <laughs> over there on the Biffler. Uh, which is fine. It's fine. Takes all kinds. Uh but there's an element of that with Taylor Swift at this point where we're, we still, as a media culture, uh, or at least in, in some of the reaction to Taylor Swift, treat her as some sort of underdog child star girl who's, who's plucky and just trying to make it in this world and, uh, and, and shouldn't be – no, we shouldn't joke about her, right? Why are we being mean to Taylor? Like the guy makes a joke on stage about how uh, sh- this is the only th- – th- this isn't like an NFL game where she can show right. up. She'll she'll be on television less tonight than she is. Like people want to tune in to the Golden Globes so they don't have to watch Taylor Swift over there on the NFL broadcast, right? That was the joke. Not right. a very good joke. I right. delivered it about as well as that guy did uh, on on the show. If you want to go find a clip of it. Uh, but like the whole thing coming out of it is like, why are we being mean to Taylor? And Taylor looks like she had her little feelings hurt because she just took a, she just picks up her wine glass and has a right. has a stoic sip of her of her thing. Like, what are we talking about here? This is the most powerful woman in media and in the culture right now. Taylor Swift, who's worth a billion dollars, who has all of the control and all of the power in her situation. You can't crack a joke about her because she's a girl. Like that's literally the thing that we're talking is, about. Is, is that the coverage? I, I, if you, if you're Bob, if you Bob, you're you're Taylor Swift. You're sitting there, and somebody like clumsily delivers a throwaway joke. I'm sure she's heard a million times since. This whole season has been her coverage in the NFL. Like, do you just give oh, her, like, think, a pity, like, oh, yeah, laugh? Yeah, or as are though you... that weren't arranged. As though that weren't something that she was— Oh, come uh, on. That was not arranged. Like, that would have been a better reaction if it was arranged. Like, that, that, that went nowhere. Like, I saw that clip, and— No, no, like, no, no. She just I mean, like, the attention that she's received this year oh, is not yeah, an accident. Right. right, yeah. So let's say that all is uh, coordinated, and then she shows up to this Golden Globes thing, and that's you— and some guy does a little throwaway joke. It's like a harmless joke. Like, it's not like a biting joke. It's just like a stupid throwaway joke. Like, whatever. Do you, like, do the, I don't find this funny. I'm going to sip my whatever. Or are you like, ha, ha, ha. 
you fucking asshole. Okay, let's move on. Like, yeah, what do you? You smile politely and laugh with your seatmate, and you and and it doesn't become a thing. Right. Like, and because this it would this... be a thing if she just did that. But like, she's like, why do I? Why do I have to do anything? I could just not like a joke. No, I'm not. T- I'm not trying to prescribe how she should behave in that moment. I'm saying that the coverage about it afterwards, and I'll make sure that there's links in the show note, is is absurd. Like there are pe- there are bloggers going to bat for Taylor after right. this, as though she's been harmed in some way. What the fuck are you talking about? Uh, there was a big piece in the New York Times this week. Oh uh, Jesus Christ, Bob! It's time to move along. Five thousand word exploration of her lyrics and her presentation in the world, in terms of whether or not Taylor. Swift has actually attempted to come out before as some sort of queer or bisexual uh, or something along those lines. Yeah. And I read it. I read the whole fucking 5,000 words, and I, I had my moments where I, like, laughed out loud at it because it is, in places, quite ridiculous. But that's a valid thing to do as a means of consuming art. A person has put out uh, dozens upon dozens of songs that have within... And, and by the way, she builds signals and messages and, and Easter eggs into her music on purpose in the hopes that it will build this weird sort of cult following uh, behind it, in the hopes that the lore becomes meaningful to more and more people. It's a perfectly valid thing to explore. Do I find it a little bit untoward that it's in the pages of the New York Times? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, but that's a personal problem of mine because I don't think that she's worthy of that sort of attention in terms of the art that she's produced. Like that biggest but that's, thing going. Right, that's what I'm saying. That's just yeah. my snobbishness uh, 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 peeking in. It is not something that's like, oh, we shouldn't talk about Taylor and her sexuality. It's like, ah, oh, fuck you. This has been a, a feature of her whole thing is toying with this sort of stuff well, for a decade plus, and and we're not allowed to talk about it. You've got to be kidding me. And this is not this is not some weirdo busker on the side of the street that the right. New York Times is talking about. This is the most powerful person right. in the culture at the moment right. who has more money than. Than God, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about when it comes to Taylor Swift, and it has no impact on Taylor Swift. She's fine, and do I understand that she is also a human being with feelings and all of that shit? Yes, of course, but that is not the that is not the going concern when it comes to most of the other things that we talk about in media. Why does it only apply to the frail little girl? And it's because of fucking sexism is the only explanation that I have for it. Uh, I did not read this article. I don't intend to either. Uh, also, I haven't listened to any like deep cuts of Taylor Swift. But from my knowledge of Taylor Swift, she is like notoriously writing about dudes. Like, oh, I can't believe that guy that I was dating, and I can't believe this other guy that I was dating. Like, where do they draw this gay angle? Read like, the piece. It's worth. It's absolutely worth uh, reading. I'll make sure there's a link. Uh, a link to the sh- in the show notes to a, a gift version of the article, so that nobody has to complain about not being able to find it. But there's a there's a serious case made in an almost sociological, academic sort of way, which I think is totally fine. Again, like I don't that's think bizarre, that. It, but they're talking about the, one person. This is not like some sort of larger thing. Like this is one person who's writing about boyfriends. Like what? There's a there's a long history of uh, what has been called queer baiting uh, in her presentation over the last ten I or fifteen years. You're still years. talking about Taylor Swift right now. Um, 
But anyway, uh, it's fine. We don't have to go on about it. You have it's a whole episode about Taylor Swift some night when I'm not around. Worth reading. Lori, I think that your wish has come true, which is that we would stop talking about the news because we just talked about sports yeah, and pop awesome. culture tonight. Now, Abe tried. <laughs> Abe tried to sneak in there with Iowa. And <laughs> it was great. Related it was to great. the Golden Globes. We, uh, totally discarded. But it is I'm almost getting, 11 o'clock, and we the... need to ask Abe what he watched I this know. weekend. Thank you, Lori. Producer Lori, always saving the day. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show over on the Substack, brainiron.substack.com, where if you would like to support our various blogging and podcasting endeavors, you can sign up and uh, and join the community uh, if you so choose. The uh, current advantage to signing up at Substack for free is that you just get an email as soon as the episode posts. Man, what a what a tremendous benefit you can have just by signing up at Substack.brainiron.com. Also, uh, you could join the likes of Jerry, who has become our first paying subscriber. Of course, he has. God bless you thousand man jerry kind kind person that you are and uh almost oh, certainly jerry also thanks for saying i'm awesome out of any context of of anything else yeah jerry had big complimentary things to say about both a just me nope just and me Lori. <laughs> out of just out of nowhere uh, while Lori's also awesome. while insisting that the recent run of podcasts he did not give a specific date when the podcast started getting great as he says but he believes that the show has never been better according wow. to the thousand men he's jerry. probably just in a better mood Peak that might be it he is you're projecting jerry blissfully wedded i believe as a notorious wife guy he remains blissfully wedded yeah. and he's got like a teen his fucking kid is like grown so he's like wow. done with parenting i bet he's but he's just i bet that's not how it works Ah, oh, he's got a good kid though. He doesn't have one of those awful yeah, teams. Yeah, but it's if, not like you're done. If you uh, if you screw up the first ten years, you're not done parenting, right? Typically, like usually the truth. Right, begins. I think that he he figured it out. He, right. he got, I think you can give up whenever you want, though. That's true. I'm not saying if he's he, giving up. I'm the saying, first ten years. I'm though. saying I can give up whenever I want. There's no way he's as a hands-on situation as even we still are. Never no, mind. Kid probably wants nothing to do with him because he's a teenager. So. No, I'll bet that I'll bet that uh, Jerry's kid is a big dad kid. I guarantee it. If okay, I, that's my guess. In the way that Jerry, well, anyway, Jerry, Jerry's you're great. a wife guy. I'll bet you that his kid is a dad kid. Anyway, thanks, Jerry. And Jerry does not endorse any of the awful things that we are saying on the show. I want to make that clear. <laughs> Surely some of them. You don't have to agree with any th- any of the awful things that I say here or over on the morning press. Uh, but anyway, like I was saying, Lori's dream has come true. I get out all of the bad when it comes to my news analysis over there on the morning press. And I do it uh, with a great deal of editorial objectivity, I, I believe, at least in the way that I'm presenting it. Uh, and it's going well. Anyway, uh, brainiron.substack.com. Join Jerry in the uh, comment section. Only Jerry and me and Abe currently have access to the comment section. Uh, no one has yet commented. No. Abe, did you make it to the movies this week? I, I did, although I uh, I almost wish I did not. I, uh, you know, early uh, January, they dump the movies that aren't particularly good. I mean, sometimes you'll get like a movie that does okay, like Megan, like that robot mm-hmm. kid thing from like a year ago. Wonka, uh, I believe, maintains the number one position in the box office charts again this week. Yes. Uh, I did go see Night Swim, which is from the Blumhouse, Blumhouse 
family of like low budget horror movies. I've and seen the trailers during football yeah. games and they it looks real bad. It is atrocious. A terrible Whatever. Terrible movie. I love that you're seeing horror movies just I, in general. <laughs> Horror I movies and some musicals. of the horror movies have been good lately, uh, but this was not one of them. I go into movies without looking at reviews or any scores like on Rotten Tomatoes or anywhere else, just to kind of go in clean. Uh, but I almost wish that I did with this one because it was like, I think it's like 20% or something on Rotten Tomatoes. The story is very stupid. Like it's, It seems like it was like a... Like a story that may have worked for like a short story kind of thing, but they blew it up into like a full feature. It's basically this family, uh, the husband is like a baseball player, major league, but he's injured. They buy a house with a pool, which is haunted. They try to explain why it's haunted. Anyways, uh, the guy with the injury starts swimming in it and he gets better. So like the pool is healing him, but it's to the detriment of his family. And so there's like this weird... Mm -hmm trade-off like the husband will do better trade-off and the kids or the wife will suffer as a result and then blah you know back and forth no one believes them like hey have you noticed the pool is acting kind of weird like it's like trying to suck the the kids or something uh and eventually the husband another metaphor that's a bit on the nose for me here with uh with old dad getting his getting getting the healing getting his yeah. rocks off in the pool <laughs> but it costs his family yes. a great oh, yeah. deal uh, and at the end don't care the, for that metaphor at the end the father's like he kind of does the math he's like oh the stupid pool well they need a sacrifice like and it doesn't apparently the, the pool doesn't care like it's not like oh i want your firstborn or whatever like hey any one of you fuckers will do and so he falls on the sword for the rest of the family he dies the rest of the family decides not to sell the house because like this is a recurring thing anytime somebody new moves in it resets so they're like we've so already did the sacrifice yeah so we're good we're going to just live here so it's a happy ending it's kind of a happy ending but I, I, like good. i would be mad at the previous owner like no one gave us a heads up like they just left you don't have to disclose could, that you, kind of thing uh, no you could sue the shit out of them uh, in <laughs> in certain states i believe good you luck have to disclose that, that sort of thing so you see this pool here is trying to kill my family <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh I just looked up the domestic box office for yeah. January uh, 1991, the first week, first full week of the year after the new year, which is yeah. the same week this year, where you had to go see Night Swim and Wonka was number one yeah. at the box office. Check out this top 10. Holy shit. Number one, Home Alone. Number two, Kindergarten Cop. Number wow. three, The Godfather Part Three. Number four, Dances with Wolves. Number five, Edward Scissorhands. Number six, Misery. Number seven, Look Who's Talking To. Number eight, a movie called Mermaids that I am not familiar with. I know with. Mermaids. It has Cher. Number nine, Three Men and a Little Lady. Number ten, something called The Russia that House. That is two sequels with fucking kids, though. Wow. The Bonfire of the Vanities, Ghost, The Rookie, The Rescuers Down Under. Uh, Sequel. Hamlet. What? That I'm getting my way down into the teens now, but holy shit. That is uh, stronger than this current crop. Yeah, that's we better than We need another now. game. We need, we need <laughs> not the Billboard Hot 100 right, game, but the, it every the week. box it's office easy. Hot 100. Just add that. Just back off from, like, stop talking about news sooner and we can add this on the end too what a fucking week it was at the movies yeah, yeah. that's great that's 
I wonder if the window changed, like where the Oscars were. Maybe they were like in like late March, and so they. No, I don't know. That's just Christmas it, movies. Yeah. That's those are all fun romp movies. Like, look who's talking to and the rescuers down under. Like, those are not Oscar yeah, movies. Yeah, they weren't submitting them to that. Those are just yeah. better <laughs> fun movies. Dances with Wolves and Godfather yeah. Part Three. And yeah, but whatever. Misery is a great movie. It's not a fun romp. I don't. I, think. That's not I, how I don't want to see it. it. I started a new thing this year. Am starting. So New Year's resolution uh-huh. is to watch more movies. Also, keep track of what I'm watching. Oh, no. Okay. Are you using you, an app like Letterboxd or something? Sign up for a Letterboxd account or something? What's that? Uh, we got to get Lori on. Yeah. We got to get Lori on the CIB Letterboxd account so she can people can come find her. If you want to sign up at brainiron. No, I don't want people to find me. Brainiron.substack.com. I'll send you a link to Lori's Letterboxd account. I don't have a letterbox. <laughs> Give it time. I don't know what that is. I have a I have a Google Keep. That I'm not sharing with any of you fucking people. I'm a big Google Keep person. Find me anywhere. So instead of going like, what the fuck did we watch? I'll know. Oh, I see. And also, hopefully, it will be more movies. Nice. Uh, did you begin or have you just planned this? Have you? I Well, both. Also <laughs> video games. Um, we watched The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe with kids. Yeah, the one that's on Disney Plus. The, the new Kids liked it? Yeah, it was fine. It was good. The kids liked it. It was good. I uh, I get big feelings about that whole series, and this was a perfectly acceptable version of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I thought uh, Tilda Swinton as the White Witch was pretty good. Yeah, she's good. The uh, whole thing is weird. Liam Neeson as the voice of Aslan was a little bit weird to me. I felt uh, slightly taken out of the situation. But maybe uh, that's because of now. What you do you know? mean? Like... Like what he's known as Because now? you know it's Liam Neeson and you know who he is. Right, right. I don't think the kids were, were weirded out by Liam Neeson's uh, But yeah, the point is we watched one movie and we finished the stupid Twin Flames thing on Netflix right. and so that's all. We were confused. Oh, your boyfriend. Oh, that's right. We, we were confused. Yes, Bob's boyfriend. We hadn't watched two episodes. We had only watched one. But I think you must have also been confused, Abe, yeah. because you suggested – that the twin flames fella was going to leave the situation. He did not. He stayed. He stays. You're thinking throughout. of something else. You're thinking of like some other. Do- a mother love documentary. Did maybe you watch? That's, maybe I'm thinking. That's yeah. Maybe I'm mixing up my weirdo documentaries. I think mother love is an HBO one. Yeah. Anyway, we finished. What is this one on? Is it a Netflix? Netflix. It is okay. on Netflix. Okay. We finished it. I have. What I've started and what I'm continuing to watch and what is completed and God of War, the video game. All right. Uh, uh, Twin Flames Universe, uh, it's apparently still a thing. Uh, It's still out there. Uh, You can still go to their fucking Facebook page. Um, This thing after the first episode sort of transformed into much more focused on gender and trans issues than you might have believed was going to happen just by watching the first episode because in the first episode there's a couple of uh there's a there's one person in particular that's a trans individual and you look at them you're like ah, there's a trans person there um uh trans woman like a like a, a head coach walking down the sideline it's unmistakable <laughs> but it doesn't they don't get into that in the first episode and then they do very much in a in a couple in the next two episodes and i just want to play a quick clip here uh, from the, uh, the oh, I think it needs a little context. The th- the three quarter mark 
at the end of this uh, entire documentary in the third hour. I, I think it, can I give it a little more context? Please go ahead. Okay. So spoilers. Um, the point of this cult is that everybody has this like soulmate and then the guy in charge is kind of like, uh, turns out in order to have a soulmate, they need to be in our cult. He doesn't use those words, right. but then it's mostly women in the cult. Uh, mostly, so mostly homely women, as I described last week. Mostly women. It doesn't just shut up. Mostly women in the cult. And they're like, yeah, but how? Because whatever. So then what they do is they say, okay, so you have, instead of your, like, regular gender, you have a eternal, what is it called? You have uh, a divine masculine or divine feminine Uh, that your Divine masculine and a divine feminine. Your soul is gendered, uh, essentially, and that you are either divine masculine or divine feminine, which uh, I've got to say. Okay. uh, I've heard that sort of talk before. So kind of what (laughs) happens is this cult leader says, okay, you two ladies are paired to – you are – you are soulmates, except one of you is the divine masculine, and you ought to start sh- looking like it right. and identifying that way. So that's what happened. And some of them were like, uh, fuck, no. Like, Well, most of them were like, them. yes, okay, I'll give it a try. And then yeah. they, they sort of do for a while before they eventually get to the point where it's too psychologically punishing and taxing and not in keeping with who they actually believe themselves to be. And then they finally are like, wait, I can just – are you telling me I can just leave this fucking Facebook group? And I, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is just a Facebook group. It's just a Facebook group. And yeah. I've, I've de- devoted my entire fucking and life money. to it. And thousands and thousands of dollars, and I could just, I could just like click the leave group button, and the whole thing will be done. Uh, and so that's what some of them begin to do. Uh, anyway, as one can imagine, this presents a bit of a problem for a progressive, correct-thinking uh, production crew who does not want to be in the position of suggesting that trans identity can be inculcated in a group of people that has been isolated from their family and loved ones, and then they can become convinced to attempt to transition to a different gender identity that uh, conforms to some very silly stereotypes uh, that this guy has about what a man should be and what a woman should be, right? So they go to the, the, the gender queer theorist uh, to explain things to us, and that's the clip I'm going to play here. I don't see Jeff and Shalia as supporting trans people by saying, hey, you can take hormones or get surgery. I see Jeff and Shalia supporting anti-trans people by saying the gender you are is not determined by you. It's determined by the people who have power over you. Manifest for yourself a masculine body. What I think is very troubling with the Twin Flames universe story is that people might hear about this group and say, oh, this is proof that transness is some kind of cult, that transness is something that is coerced. And nothing could be further from the truth. This is a group that is not in the mainstream of what trans people do and what trans people believe. My response to that guy's insistence that 
transness isn't this thing is you're right. I don't think that all transgenderism is a cult, is a weird uh, uh, a bunch of people getting together on the internet and and becoming convinced that they're in the wrong body. But what the documentary undeniably shows is that it's possible, right? right? <laughs> it certainly leaves open the possibility that this is one way that a group of emotionally and psychologically stunted, or stunted isn't nice, but people who are suffering... They're manipulated, for sure. Right, and right. So they come in hurt. They come in as a person who says, I have... Uh, I'm I, missing something. I'm missing something in my life. And then they're told... Uh, by this asshole that he has the right answer for them. And then uh, some number of months or years later, he's like, and also uh, after after I've uh, beaten down your personal psychology and your sense of self to such a point that you uh, are willing to sit there and listen as I declare myself the second coming of Christ, literally, this is what he does. Yeah. He says that if Jesus uh, was supposed to be presented as Jesus really was, well, he would be a Semitic-looking brown guy with brown eyes rather than the obviously white Jesus who looks just like me with blue eyes that we see through all of Western media. So the presentation of Jesus in Western media over the last thousand years was just leading up to me fulfilling the role of Christ is what this guy thinks with his 5,000 Facebook friends uh, who, who send him money so he can buy fancy cars and a big compound in Minnesota or Michigan or something. Uh, uh, the point here is not that uh, a person could become convinced that transness is only this cult thing, but what about the possibility that this is one way that it can manifest in people? Because, by the way, we've just spent three hours showing that this is one way right. that it manifests <laughs> in people. So, yeah. so you cannot then turn around and say transness isn't this thing. Well, yeah, I, I agree. That doesn't tell the whole story, but it tells a potentially incredibly important part of the story that is in keeping with everything that we understand about human psychology up to this point, which is, granted, not a lot. Uh, but this is one possible way that we could understand this phenomenon in some small way. It doesn't change anything about the way we should relate to the individual right. human being or the way that this the, the people should be dealt with. Uh, but to suggest that actually... This is not what this thing is after they've just spent three hours showing us a way that this could be uh, this thing. It would be like doing a documentary about Tumblr and showing all of the ways in which these weird insular communities that focused exclusively on gender queer stuff and 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 gender presentation and uh, these weird stereotypes and the feeling wrong in your body. And then like a whole bunch of them turned out to be uh, 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 ended up trans when they weren't going in and then being like, well, that's not how this works at all. This is, uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't want you to get the wrong idea here. Right. Anyway, I, I, I found that uh, uh, in, in the context of a, a three-hour documentary that ultimately I found to be worth the time, I guess, just in terms of uh, if you're into the weird sex cult stuff uh, it's and exploring that aspect of human psychology, I guess it was uh, entertaining enough. It is frustrating that uh, people are just falling for anything because like it's not like they tried that. I mean, maybe they, they it's more involved and the, the, the documentary just showed just a little bit, but they're not that charismatic. They're not like their sales pitch isn't that strong. I, I didn't get like what the yeah. hook was. 
No, he's awful. And he's like obviously demonstrably awful. And he treats them in bad ways after uh, having suckered them into becoming part of his group. Uh, and, and again, I don't think that the most interesting part of this entire thing was the trans stuff. I think it was, uh, the other stuff also, uh, and I said this to Lori the other night, but I really wish that they would stop treating the people who fall for these cults with the sort of kid gloves that they often do, like sort of allowing them to, to just tell their story and we're supposed to feel compassion and empathy for them. And, and yeah, sure. To a certain extent I do, but also, uh, there's gotta be a little bit of, uh, uh, what the fuck were you thinking? Right. Right? Like you're a, you're a grown up person. Uh, the ones that are anyway, like you're a, you're a functional adult. What the fuck is wrong with you? And why did, why did, why why did you allow this to happen? And and then, and then go on to perpetrate it on other people uh, as well. Better yet. They should say that. Like, what the fuck was I thinking? Boy, swing and a miss. I fucked that up. I don't know. They kind of do. They're just kind of like, I don't know what's in a bad place. It's like, come on, this is such a low effort scam that they were running on you. Right. And it's 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 both low effort and it's like it's so depressingly low results in terms of like of what they like it only it's amazing how few people it takes to fund the lavish and sort of I mean, I say lavish lifestyles, but these people are just going out buying designer handbags and fancy clothes and a Porsche. Right. It's not like they have 10 billion dollars or something, but they they fund this incredibly like to them, this very uh, comfortable lifestyle. And it's just a few sad single girls on the Internet who are sending them money every month. It's like what a what a bad fucking system we have uh, that that this is a sort of thing that can result. Uh, But I guess it's. It's the it's the best system on offer, I suppose. Uh, did we watch anything else? We was, continued to watch Severance. That's right. We watched an episode, maybe of Severance, maybe, maybe two. Is what are you up sorry, to Jerry? Episode but, three or four? What what are you up to now? No, like six, I think. Oh, okay. More than halfway through. Yeah, more than halfway through. We've gotten to the point in this series where uh, the the new hire has come around to. Both, both the new hire has come around to wanting to help out in part because uh, our main character has realized that uh, he wants to find out what the okay. fuck is going on down there. Okay. Uh, both and he met with that woman in real life in the basement of the school or something, and then okay. the episode ends, and now we need to watch more. Right. He We got to the point where he finds Petey's contact on the outside, uh, presumably the woman who helped Petey reintegrate his consciousness into itself. Okay. Uh, and I think that's episode six, but I'm not sure. My understanding, uh, based on uh, everything that I've read about this show, is that it uh, gets kind of crazy in the last couple of episodes and has a really tremendous ending. And I'm mad that I've found out even that much, that it has a right. really tremendous ending, because I worry that it won't now, uh, but, right. but I guess we'll it, see. It was crazy because like, it was kind of like at this pace, and then it's like, oh. Uh, Abe, have you got anything else for us tonight? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then, and we'll talk to you next time. Later. <laughs>
uh, please, and also figure out the world. It's not enough to simply tell children what the output should be. You have to create a system of guidelines, an algorithm, that allows them to arrive at the correct outputs when faced with different inputs, too. The parentally programmed algorithm I remember best from my own childhood is do unto others as you would have done unto you. So she's making a metaphor between uh, trying to instill uh, 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 good behavior in a child. Uh, she's calling that an algorithm. It teaches kids how, in a range of specific circumstances, Question. I have some embarrassing information about the class bully. Should I immediately disseminate it to all the other classmates that they can then deduce the desirable outcome? Output. No, because I am an unusually empathetic first grader who would not want another kid to do that to me. Turning that moral code into action, of course, is a separate matter. Now, uh, maybe I'm looking too much into this, but her insisting that not wanting to embarrass the class bully because she wouldn't want it to be done to her. She's coding that as being an unusually empathetic first grader. That's not empathy. That's rational self-interest, right? That's the opposite of empathy. And I think that, so for years, there's been a tickle in my brain about the, the the empathy movement, essentially, right? Which is like there's we're we're told to be kind. We're told over and over again that empathy matters. That the problem with the world, the problem with the trumpeting, the problem with Republicans, the problem with men, arguably, is that they don't have enough empathy for the other people in the world. That's why people behave badly is because they don't have enough empathy. Under this highly liberal progressive individual, her understanding of what empathy is is just an understanding of the golden rule as applied to her so that she doesn't have to experience uh, future bad feelings, right? It's not, in fact, what I think of when it comes to empathy. That's instead the selfish gene made manifest in, in, in the thinking of a child, right? And I wonder if, like, is that what's been bothering me about this insistence on cultural empathy that we've been told over and over again, the problem with the world is that there's not enough empathy in the world when in reality what's going on here is a group of people who are calling something empathy that is in fact just selfish self-interest and i think maybe that's what's been going on here that's been bothering me so much until you mentioned this i didn't think that people were defining it in that way i thought they were defining it in in the regular way like you know extending you know some sort of feeling towards somebody else so you're not treating them badly not for like some sort of rational self-interest or any you know self-preservation right. it's also like it's that. it also it's an understanding of the golden rule that i never thought like i didn't realize that was the selling point for people right like, <laughs> and she's explaining it as the as the, the the selling point for the golden rule is uh it benefits you it's like no it it should be engendering in you a notion that this is another human being right. who also has feelings and you don't want them to feel that way right. because you recognize that when you have felt that way in the past it has not been pleasant for you right. but this this turns that entirely on its head and it's one of those 
those it was one of these eye-opening moments for me that like it freaked me out it's like <laughs> it, it was like finding out that i mean not not that i've been red-pilled or something but right. that's that's the obnoxious metaphor for it but like like somehow a, a new understanding of the way that i i thought people were talking about things in one way and it turns out maybe they've been talking about things in an entirely different way and unfortunately it just makes me more cynical like right. it, like understanding that makes me deeply more like could potentially make me a deeply more cynical person uh, about interacting with other people in the world which is a bummer but i'm i'm grateful for the for the two sentences here that that seem to have revealed something about the way this person at the very least right. sees the world hopefully she's alone in that thinking cuz you're right i mean that would be uh, a weird way to go about things the proceeding was created with 100% human content.